You're taking our opium, wherever they got it from, mm-hmm. and you're going to use that, and we're going to take your tea. Adam Curry, John C. Devora. It's Sunday, November 21st, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 254. This is No Agenda. USA officially closed for business. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower area, Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Buzzkill Bunker here in northern Silicon Valley where there was thunder and lightning. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Yeah, in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you. And all shit. And all ships at sea, boots on the ground. And And the human resources. Yes, in the chat room at noagendachat.net, all charged up and ready to go the way their government loves them. And boy, it was 5.30 this morning I got up. Buckets. It was coming out of the sky in buckets, I tell you. Really? Did you put the buckets aside? You know, you can recycle those. (laughs) No, that water is not actually ours. We don't own it anymore. Your government owns the water. No, I think the United Nations. (laughs) That's right, United Nations. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, John, what a week it's been. So you think there's some interesting news? Uh, Well, I think that uh, you and I have to be very, very careful because um, what has now, uh, of course, what we were talking about for months, if not years, has now turned into the national distraction and there's all kinds of things happening that we're not paying attention to. I think I think we're probably paying attention to it. Uh, but the the uh, the TSA opt out and naked body scanners is now officially being used as a, a distraction. Yeah. Well, I thought it was last the last show we did. I think it already jumped the shark and become a distraction. It continues. A lot of good stories. We got some great clips and things. You know that have a little to do with it. Just showing how stupid it's gotten. <laughs> uh, the thing that annoys me the most, of course, is these uh, constant references. And you hear it on all. I heard it on KCBS News Talk uh, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and. Well, you know, they're not that big of a deal because four out of five Americans, according to a CBS poll. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good poll. But it wasn't a poll of people who had just stood in line and gone through. No, and it wasn't a poll of necessarily people who ever go through an no, airport. it was just a poll. Of, and the question was, do you think uh, it's a good idea to have uh, enhanced security pat-downs and, uh, and scanners? Well, yeah. I mean, duh, that's easy to conduct a poll like that. Yeah. yeah very simple. Mickey actually had a, a, a very astute observation this morning. She said, this whole thing is about politics now. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, who are the number, who's the number one party of Securite? I said, well, the Republican Party. He said, yeah, so that's why you see all the Democrats now and even MSNBC and Keith Olbermann jumping on board because this will weaken the Republican stance in the elections. Because if Republicans say, oh, well, you know, we need to, to up that uh, funding to Chertoff's group there and uh, Rapiscan and L3 systems, etc., then that, that weakens their entire position. And I thought that was a pretty good observation. Well, the problem with the observation is that the right-wing talk shows don't verify it. They're all dead against this, and they're trying to outdo the Democrats with their uh, uh, personal... Uh, but, e- but either way, the, Repub- the, the Republican Party... 
loses. In, I don't in think the Republican Party loses this one is at, and it get, for the following reason. It's the Obama administration mm-hmm. that put this in. It's Janet Napolitano that put this in, and she's the one that won't walk through the scanners. <laughs> I, I, I think it's just the opposite. I think the Democrats are on, uh, can be attacked. That's why I think they're so defensive. Mm, okay. Well, you know what? The good thing is people are thinking about it. And thinking about more than just the the blatant violation. Yeah, I know. The problem is it's a it's a lost cause until uh, some. Well, let's see what happens on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Well, I, I got a couple things we should probably touch on, and I think you may have a few things. I'm sure we we just can't avoid it. Uh, it's important to continue to talk. About I, I it. find it to be uh, distressing personally regarding this show that we have to talk about i thought that we could kill it last show and not even do no. much and then we have we've been unable to do this this is one of the great distractions we've ever encountered is we have to actually uh, it's it's affecting the show negatively <laughs> that's right got it <laughs> they're screwing with us again johnny boy we've got to stay on top of it let's uh, thank some producers before we move on though do we have some well, today we just have one uh, and as an executive producer, we have David Montoya from uh, Dunedin, Florida, uh, who uh, gave us $500. He'll be the executive producer of this show. Uh, halfway to knighthood, by the way. I got a new job while I was listening to DSC Live on November 19th, keeping the karma going. Longtime listener of DSC and No Agenda. I go by the Ottoman in the chat room. Mm, okay. Yeah, he's in the chat room right now, in fact. Hey, Ottoman. Hey, the no, the Ottoman. Hey, the Ottoman. The Ottoman. <coughs> right on. Well, thank you so much. Wow, that's uh, that's good. We have one. Yeah, I, I did th- three hours and fifty minutes of daily source code on Friday. At least someone appreciated it. <laughs> hmm. Food I for think thought. This came in before that, but <laughs> food, food for thought. <laughs> uh, on the PR front, not a lot. You were bored. No, no, it's it's hard work, man. It's it's a f- four hours of uh, ear bleeding. Yeah, well, now you have pumping. to imagine what these you know these these radio guys that do th- three hours a day, uh, five days oh, a week. No way, because they've got uh, commercials every. No, five they have. Minutes. I know they have a lot of commercials, but they still have to be sitting there. And then most of them, with, in fact, none of them. With, there's not an exception to this that I know of. Then they go off and do a. T- well, yeah, Rush Limbaugh is the only exception. Mm-hmm. They go off and do a TV show. Yeah, but they've got producers. Yeah, they've, they've got, got a, a lot of producers. Got drivers. But Here's what I like to know: How does Sean Hannity? But they also have vacations, John. Do three, yeah, fine. They don't do anything on their vacations. <laughs> they don't, they, they, and three hours do. a day, five days a week, then go do an hour TV show, and then write a book. Please. Yeah. Now, do you think he has help? Hmm. So, uh, as I was about to say, no uh, no real PR um, initiatives to mention. However, some people are working on some interesting uh, initiatives. The paperclip uh, kid is uh, working uh, working hard on getting the hit him in the mouth uh Paperclip figures and the uh, uh, Gitmo <laughs> Gitmo jewelry figures. This is art. Yeah, no, it's totally art. So, uh, and he's got the whole family involved now. His brother is working on the website, and so I'm trying to uh, shepherd <laughs> shepherd that along. Uh, I received an interesting note from uh, uh, Miss Debbie in Nashville, Tennessee, who said, uh, "Dear Mister Adam, do you have no agenda T-shirts that I could give my husband as a Christmas present? He really enjoys the show. First of all, it's beautiful when." Uh, when you have a spouse, uh, you know who who notices what 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 their spouse really likes, and you know, and she reached out and said, "Well, look, you know, we don't really sell anything directly, so you can you know Google around and here's some places you could look." 
but uh, I, I think we still have the uh, the Amazon uh, knighthood on wish list item. Uh, is that now up on the donation page? At, uh, uh, it's not on the donation page yet. But what about uh, No Agenda Stuff? Aren't there T-shirts in there? Well, yeah, noagendastuff.com. That's where I sent her. But also, in general, I mean, you can give the gift that keeps on giving and uh, make a donation in someone else's name. This is very typical around this time of the year. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. You give someone a beautifully printed card, and you say, you know, I've made a donation in your name uh, to support uh, uh, the No Agenda show. Your favorite show. Your, <laughs> your favorite show. And, and and we'll call those out, and we'll do that. Uh, what day does Christmas fall on this year, by the way? Well, let me take a look. Yeah, why don't you uh, have a look for that? Um, of course, Thanksgiving, the fake Thanksgiving holiday, is uh, coming up this Thursday. We'll be working in the morning, uh, as usual. Whether uh, you'll be there or not, uh, it'll certainly be available for you as a uh, as a podcast. And it's a great family activity. Uh, at the end of the Thanksgiving dinner, the end of the day, you know, you could sit down and watch some commercial junk on television. You could start making up your list for uh, Black Friday, or you could just uh, all sit down and huddle around the wireless and listen to uh, that day's episode of No Agenda. And I'm sure we'll have a, a great program for you. Christmas falls on what day this year? I'm looking on my calendar. I just misspelled calendar. So <laughs> you think that, ca- that the Google Calendar would notice that you uh... <laughs> that you're trying to reach calendar and you're a doob? Yeah. <laughs> so Christmas is on a nice Saturday, so that's okay. Uh... Well, so the day after Christmas, that'll be nice. Another perfect wireless moment. And John, uh, I, I, before we move on, I, I have to say we have a night down. Oh, we do. Yeah, we have a night down, and uh, this has been building up over the past few weeks, and uh, I was finally able to uh, get a hold of uh, Sir Paul Couture, uh, Knight of the, uh, in the Order of the Mint, and, uh, whoops, that was interesting, and there's, uh, there's been uh, a big issue with people not having received their 10-10-10 coins, some people have not received their original coins, um, I have now uh, had a very long conversation with uh, Sir Paul, and I, I, I take the knighthood stuff really seriously. I mean, it's not just like, hey, thanks, you know, we'll, we'll take your $1,000 or whatever, and, uh, and here's a, a virtual seat at the virtual table. Uh, these are people who really help out, the sh- uh, help out the show and support us. And he's run into a number of uh, personal things that are uh, pretty messed up. And uh, so I am working with him personally on sorting all of this out. I uh, would just ask everyone to have patience, please, uh, as this is a night of the No Agenda Roundtable and uh, deserves uh, uh, deserves a fair shot at making everything uh, right. And uh, it's uh, not entirely within his control, some of the stuff that's happened, but uh, that I am now personally working on this, and we're going to figure it out one way or the other. Is that okay? Yep. I'm glad you got a hold of him because I was unable. Well, you know, the first thing I thought about was something is desperately wrong, you know, and I was pretty much right, you know. Um, but uh, it's what, is, what has happened is people have not received what they've paid for, and that is not right, and so we're going to figure out how to correct that and what steps need to be taken. But he needs help, and so uh, uh, the hosts of this program will uh, certainly be there for him to figure out how we can work it out. Uh, so, uh, big thanks today to David Montoya, the Ottoman in the chat room, as he's known, being our executive producer, uh, the only producer on board, but that does mean that, indeed, he's halfway to his knighthood, and, of course, that's an official credit which he can put on his resume. 
And uh, all the rest of you out there, there's something you've got to do. You need to go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we don't have any material this yeah, week. Yeah, no, no. This, there was really nothing to talk about. Let me. Well, just, a, there was a couple of interesting things that did happen this week. If we want to, I can run my couple of things I picked. Well, up Well, let's just get the TSA thing out of the way right oh, now. Oh, the TSA. Yeah, no, and, and, I'll, and okay. I'll, well, let's start by by running this stupid. Do you heard of the show? Wait, wait, don't. Whatever it's called, it's called. Yeah, th- this is a. Uh, this is actually. It's on uh, our national treasure. Yeah, in, NPR. NPR, and it's. Uh, it is actually a takeoff of a British show. And someone in the chat room will know, uh, which I think is on uh, BBC, I want to say four, uh, and it's uh, it's kind of like an uh, it's they get a whole bunch of uh, politicians, comedians mostly. They sit around a round table. It's a, before a live studio audience. It's a very very popular show, and they uh, it's kind of like a quiz. It's oh gosh, someone in the chat room, please tell me what this is called. It's someone in Gitmo Nation East will know. I, it's actually on the second set of clips. I got the name of it right on the clip name. It was his, it. wait, wait, don't tell me. But I, th- I think it's called something else. Uh, Are you talking about the British? No, it's, it's called Mock the Week in uh, in Gitmo Nation East. Mock what, the Week. Mock the Week. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, don't tell me is the stupidest name I've ever heard for a show. <laughs> well, because they, I don't think they're paying any rights to the to the BBC. It's like, well, well, obviously. So they're like, hey, let's do this, but we'll call it Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And and Garrison Keillor's been doing a live show on NPR for I don't know twenty five years called uh, you know the Prairie Home Companion or whatever it is, and that everybody and their sister said oh that's so cool that he does that. We have a local guy Sedge somebody or other who decided to do a exact copy of the Garrison Keillor show locally, and he does mm-hmm. it in in a studio with a live studio audience, and it's not funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> and this is a like another version of the same thing that is that's kind of got a twist to it because it's a panel it's not like a, a variety show like Keeler show but it's but it's still you know lame these guys are playing to the audience it's kind of old time radio y because you know that's what it used to be in the olden days before you know television came along and I find it the whole thing to be pretentious well let's have but, a listen our national treasure <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Chad. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning, Ms. By the way, I would love you to talk like that. It's incredible. <laughs> Faith Saley. Hello, Chad. Faith, by the way, is the biggest dummy. She's the biggest dummy of the three. Where's she from, Ms. CBS News? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, a writer for HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, Mr. Adam Felber. He's sucking his, you know what. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, maybe one day when I get off NPR that I can get a job at uh, that great show with Bill Maher. Howdy, Chad. Hi, Adam. And lastly, a comedian performing at the Hemmons Cultural Center in Elgin, Illinois, on December 3rd. It's Paula Poundstone. (laughs) Wow, they really couldn't get any guests, I guess. So welcome to the show, Chad. You're going to start us off with Who's Carl this time? Carl Castle right here is going to read you three quotes from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you'll win our prize. Carl's voice on your home answering device. Ready to go. 
on your home. Isn't that a prize to to, to really <laughs> want? Yeah, on your home answering device. Nobody <laughs> uses home answering devices anymore. That's so stupid. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Here's your first question. By, by the way, some of your tax dollars goes towards this. Enjoy. Well, if you touch my junk, <laughs> I'm going to have you arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the quote now, Carl. <laughs> That's how elitists think about you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> we right, laugh at you. That is a man named John Tyner, and he has become the face of a new grassroots protest amongst air travelers against what? Those uh, full-body scanners. Exactly. Also, the pat-downs that go with them. Yes, very good. He's become the crotch. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you are such a good slave. You know your instructions. Yes. More than the face. Yes, he has. He has become the veritable crotch of this new movement. <laughs> I had, uh, I, you know, the in, L- in, in LAX where we fly out of, they have the full-body scanners. They do. And, uh, it- Who's this, Paula Poundstone? John? Yeah, I, I'm still hearing it. It's just it's breaking up for some reason, but oh. just play, play right. through the, the The lady yeah. that was, uh, okay, the, the person that was doing mine um, asked me to moan, and I <laughs> I was uncomfortable with it. I thought it was part of the... Yeah, it's not. It's, it's Here, patriotic. Here's an interesting detail, though, and, and Paula and I travel together, so I discovered something that if you submit to the scanner, yeah. they won't give you the pat-down. Were yeah. you disappointed? Yeah. Yes, to Adam's oh. disappointment. I asked for both, and I got the. You know, I, I mistakenly yeah. went through the scanner first. I don't. Uh, what are? What is the big objection to these see-through scanners? Uh, who is this? This is the woman from CBS. <sighs> I don't get it. People know what you look like in clothes. I mean, it's not showing. You. Oh, this is. I have nothing to hide. Someone explain this to me. Is it people being modest? If you're fat, we can tell you're fat in clothes. <laughs> I'll tell you one of the problems. Oh, is she's that sensitive. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, she, of course, nobody brings up x-rays during this whole no, discussion. Why, why this, would this you? Discussion amongst the geniuses. No, why would you? If the TSA gets to see naked pictures of you, then other places are going to start claiming that um, it's not safe there. Like, for example, 7-Eleven employees are going to start to say, you know, oh, yeah. how do we know for sure that she doesn't have a bomb? We need <laughs> naked scanners. I think that they are. Uh, you know, this is good. I'm going to do that at the house. I so said, when, uh, when anyone comes over, I'm sorry, you have to go through my, my naked scanning device before, uh, before you can enter because uh, it's for national security. Yeah, that's an outstanding idea. Are completely underestimating the vanity of Americans. I think they should take a cue from theme parks and set up a booth on the other side of security. So by the time you get through, they've got all the pictures displayed. <laughs> you, find, you, find, you find your own fuzzy junk. You pay 20 bucks for a framed copy. Bingo, you got your first souvenir of the trip right there. Wow. There it is. So this is about as shallow and lame as you can get. This is, by the way, what people are contributing to uh, the NPR group. There's uh, not one mention of, I mean, the whole thing is this, like, to completely sidetracking their x-ray issues. By the way, these people that run these things are not radiologists. I, I always thought it was a law. If you ran an x-ray machine, you had to be a radiologist, but I guess I'm wrong. But they, that, of course, is never mentioned. It's, a, it's the, you know, the skinny chick from CBS talking about, you know, I got nothing to hide. I got a nice figure. Yeah, if you're fat, we know you're fat. If you're fat, we know you're fat with clothes on. I, I don't worry yeah, about that. She's hot. What are people all upset about? She is a 
idiot. But it, I mean, she. <laughs> but is be, she hot? That's the question. I, how can you tell? She's on NPR. What was her name? Back it up and go back and get the introductions and let's look her up. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Wasn't it Faith something or other? Uh, well, something or well, welcome to the show, Chad. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning, Ms. Faith Saley. Faith Saley. Faith Saley. I don't even know how you spell that. Hmm. Let's try it and see if Google knows. <laughs> S-A-L-I-E, they say. I got to look her up now, too. Sag, Aftra, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Faith. Oh, she, she looks like a... Well, she's I'm pretty, now. but she's one of those... She's got like a butt chin. And she usually look at her <laughs> images. Chin. She look mm. at her images because uh, she's got this now. one picture that shows right up. Uh, oh pictures. yeah, now she has a a cleft chin, is what that's called. Oh, I thought it was called a butt chin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look at that the, picture uh, of her licking someone's ear. That's kind of yeah. Weird. That's weird. Face Salie and Herschel Bleefeld pose. She's an actress. Key. She's an actress. Oh, well, then she's totally stupid. She's an actress. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay, so just a couple things I want to say, and then I'll be done with it. So, first of all, um, there's a, so we know about the... And there's a whole bunch of links, once again, in the show notes, noagendashow.com. Please take a look at them, because everything you want to know is in these show notes. Take it from me. So, uh, first of all, the, uh, the connection with the money, we know about the Chertoff group. But there's an interesting Obama connection, which I actually uh, blogged. And I'll uh, read this verbatim from uh, uh, curry.com. Oops, hold on a second. I uh, opened up the wrong link there. Uh, where was it? Anyway, uh, so the uh, the CEO of OSI Systems who make uh, RapidScan is a guy named uh, Deepak Chopra. Now, it is not the Deepak Chopra that you immediately think of, the holistic healing dude. Um, this is uh, another dude with the same name. And uh, so, first of all, he was uh, selected to accompany uh, Barack Obama to Mumbai to attend the U.S.-India Business Entrepreneurship Meeting. And he oh, also, really? Oh, yes. And he That's a good catch. Yes. I like that. And and he, I'll give you points. Mm-hmm. And he fully supported Obama during his presidential bid with the maximum amount allotted by law. Who knows how many of his employees he got to donate. Oh, yeah. You all know. of them. So, uh, but, you know, when, when that seems to me to be kind of a... A know, conflict of interest. Oh, really? <laughs> worth an investigation. Yeah, <laughs> totally worth an investigation. So, so that is just... Uh, and, and by the way, Pistol Pete there, who is the uh, director of uh, the Transportation Security Administration, is a personal friend of Barack Obama. I think there was a couple people who, de- who declined the invitation to even take the job. Oh, yeah, nobody in their right mind wants yeah, that No job. one wanted that, and this guy is a friend of Barack's. Uh, you know, Barack's buddy. How can that guy be a friend of anybody's, let alone Barack's? I'm just What's saying. I'm just saying. That's that. That's the news reporting that I get. And um, I want to reiterate that. Uh, so w- when it comes to the uh, the uh, radiation issue here is the the pat answer, and you can look at it at the TSA blog because unfortunately, you know, was it blogger Bob, I think, who. Uh, who blogs for the for the TSA. the TSA blogger? The TSA blogger. He says, "Look, man, like uh, Johns Hopkins and the National uh, Association of Radiologists, Cardiologists, they all say it's all safe." Now, let me just reiterate that yes, there is a standard, and the standard has been approved by Johns Hosp- uh, Johns Hopkins uh, University College College of Medicine. What do they call it? 
Johns yeah. Hopkins. So John, just whenever you say Johns Hopkins, like, well, you're gonna you're gonna fight against Johns Hopkins? Are you crazy? Are you stupid? So while it is true, and all of these links are in the show notes, while it's true that they have said at this certain standard of zero point two radiocatons, whatever they are, uh, that that is deemed safe. None of the manufacturers in their marketing material on their websites actually say how much they emit or if they adhere to the standard. And if you read carefully what, what Pistoli says and everyone else says, they don't say these machines are safe. They say, no, Johns Hopkins has determined that at a low doses of radiation, it is safe for people. But the, no one actually makes the connection to these machines. And these machines have not been uh, tested. tested. Thank you. They have just not been tested. And no, and they're run by people that don't know how to calibrate them. There's, you know, who knows what the maintenance is like on one of these machines. It could be killing you. You could be walking in and get a lethal dose of x-rays for all you know. Now, unfortunately, what you're hearing, and, and, this is, and then we'll get off the topic, but I just have to reiterate it. What you're hearing is a very strong push because everyone is really talking about the pat-downs. That's where all the outrage is coming from. That is, you know, for as good and, and well-intended as it may be, opt-out day is actually pushing people through the scanners because there's very little information known about that. There's very little talk going on about it. Yeah, the only thing they're talking about is, are you being seen naked or not? That's the, that's the only thing that's being discussed, Right. Yeah, well, you just tell with the, that woman and the rest of these people on NPR, that's all they talked about. They never mentioned x-rays once. As even it, it, They don't even let you know there was x-rays involved. It's just some magical machine. Yeah, it is. You walk in and you come out naked. Yeah. yeah it's like, like a magic act. Like those x-ray glasses we used to buy from the back of the comic x-ray book. X-ray specs. X-ray specs, that's right. 99 cents. They're amazing. Uh, so I had a, an interesting dinner on... Uh, Friday night, uh, Mickey's friend, uh, Frank Karachi, you know who he is? Frank Karachi is the director who uh, basically uh, did all the first comedies and movies with Adam Sandler. They're like friends from back east. So he did Waterboy and Around the World in 80 Days. And so Mickey knows him really well. And uh, and this guy, although he's kind of switched on, you know, he's definitely in uh, in Hollywood. And, um, and you know... I, I was really because Mickey's friend, right? So I don't want to come across like, oh, there's Mickey and that dick, <laughs> that douchebag, <laughs> douchebag. Yeah, who where did hate, that guy? What who, boat did he get? Who on? hates everything and everybody? So, um, so I, I figured I'd see if I could get him to start asking me questions, you know? Because you know, he's like, oh, what's the show? Because you know, I said, what do you do? Well, I'm just a little show, no agenda show, and you know, blah, whatever. And I'm just kind of laying low. And uh, and then it's you know I think he or his uh, girlfriend, lovely girlfriend by the way, brought up because uh, they just traveled back from Italy, and I uh, said you know uh, it's really it's interesting how um, any you know dentists, nurses, doctors they all have to wear a dosimeter. You know what a dosimeter is? It's, yeah, it's one of those. It's, you'll see a doctor has it in their pocket. It's like a little you know maybe a clip-on pen or something. And at the end of the week they hand that in. It's mainly for insurance purposes to make sure that they haven't received too much radiation in that week. So did you know that the the TSA is forbidden to use them? And and then you could just see the wheels turn. It was great. He's like, Oh, really? Well well, why is that? I said, I don't know, man. So I know that they're paying the lowest level paid guy there is like ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> and he made the connection. He said Oh well, yeah, of course. You'd be getting paid lots of money to be radiated. Uh huh. Yeah, there you go. That's how it works. 
So, you know, it's uh, waking people up in Hollywood slowly. Slowly. <laughs> very, very slowly. One at a time. One at a time. Yeah. Anyway, tons of information, again, in the links at uh, noagendashow.com. Was there anything else that you wanted to to touch on uh, regarding that? I mean, we, uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, of course, had uh, you know the same jokes. And it's all about not getting groped by the TSA and and not questioning anything else. You know, ah, naked body scanner. Okay, well, that falls under the I have nothing to hide meme. Yeah, I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. You got something to hide. I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. It's great. Got nothing to hide. More cameras. It's great. Let's just. Because it's like uh, Mimi pointed out a couple of things. So, you know, what about people who have a. Uh, who needs, <laughs> no, who has a, like a colostomy bag? Well, you know, that just happened, right? A 61 year old bladder cancer survivor uh, had to go through a pat down, and, uh, and, you know, he has like a hole in his stomach, essentially, and it comes out of there and goes into the bag. And uh, whatever went wrong went wrong, and essentially his his uh, his bladder bag bursts all over him. He's soaked in his own pee, right in That's front disgusting. of everybody. Oh yeah, it's total. And then there was a woman with the uh, the breast cancer survivor who uh, said, "Take out your your prosthesis." Yeah, and now well, we're gonna we have to reevaluate it. You know, everyone bitched about it. Well, we're gonna reevaluate our pro, pro procedures. Yeah. Then there's like the, the everyone's gonna they're always gonna be reevaluating the procedure. We gotta reevaluate the procedure. We did nothing wrong, right? And if you haven't seen the YouTube video of uh, the TSA strip searching a kid, this boy, have you seen that one? Well, the what, with the kid screaming? Yeah. Well, no, no. This is this is not. This is a, a little boy, and they well, literally they're, they're strip searching him. They're taking making him take his shirt off. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it, it's, 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 and everybody right. puts up with this. By it's, the way, one yeah. thing that we've failed to mention, I ran into on a, on a, uh, on a Desi site, uh, an Indian news site. The Indians, this is what makes the whole thing so stupid. And people out there should think about this. In India, they refuse to install these machines because the public refuses to put up with them. Yeah. Right. So in other words, so you can get, if you want to bomb something, you know, if, if these machines are so, they protect you so well, just go take a flight from Bombay and nonstop into New York, you know, or, or San Francisco or Los Angeles. There's no machines in India, and there won't be because the Indian public says, no, no way. This screw is, you. Yeah. Screw you. We're not putting up with this. The Americans, meanwhile, like the sheep that they apparently are, which is pathetic, you know, the great American, you know, individualism, the individualistic great country of the United States. Of course, we've been de educated people so everyone's kind of dumb now uh we, oh okay four out of five people say that it's okay well then it must be okay it's it's so pathetic to witness this that it's it's sickening and i hope people would help us uh get through this we need more donations at dvork.org slash na just to mention it so the one thing that really disturbed me though because we heard about this is about this is the story of the san diego don't touch my junk guy who then left the uh, the airport and is being threatened with a ten thousand dollar fine? Yeah. <laughs> so there is indeed, and I have the document here. There has to be a lawsuit on. I mean, this case. This guy, this, <laughs> well, uh, hold on a second, because I have here in front of me, and it's uh, from the, the Department of Homeland Security, and there's a link in the show notes. Enforcement sanction guideline policy. Uh, introduction here on November 19th, 2001, Congress enacted the Aviation and Transportation Security Act, the ATSA, which created TSA, which transferred authority for enforcement of civil aviation security requirements from the Federal Aviation Administration to the TSA. On July 21st, 2009, John, we missed this one, I guess, 
TSA's investigative and enforcement procedures, including the maximum civil monetary penalty amounts for violations of TSA security regulations, were amended to conform the implementing recommendations of the 9-11 Commission Act of 2007. The current civil penalty monetary amounts became effective on August 20, 2009. And indeed, uh, there are a whole bunch of guidelines here. Aggravating and mitigating factors. As a general matter, TSA considers the following aggravating and mitigating factors. And they have everything laid out very clearly what the fines are. So significance or degree of the security risk created by the violation. So this is all where they get to do whatever they want, right? Uh, the nature of the violation, we can determine what we're going to do with that. Past violation history, violator's level of experience. Oh, I'm a very experienced violator. The attitude of the violator. Hey, you got a bad attitude. We're charging you more. Criminal sanctions already paid for, uh, paid for the same incident. Artful concealment, fraud, intentional, uh, what is it? Intentional, fraud? Yeah, intentional. How like does fraud come into it? If you, like, doctor your papers. So uh, they've got a whole, so a lot of it is for um, aviation companies, you know, all the way down to like you're you're not wearing your safety vest. I swear to God, I mean this is no joke. But then if you go down to individuals, which is at the very bottom of the document, this is an official document, by the way. It blew me away. I'd never seen this. Um, okay, so security violations by individuals for prohibited items. So um, if you have a loaded firearm, you can get a uh, $3,000 to $7,500 penalty plus criminal referral. Hey, you get a referral out of it. That's kind of like a uh. cool, cool credit. Uh, unloaded firearm, 1500 to 3000 BB pellet, compressed air gun, flare, starter pistols, realistic replicas, including gun lighters. Permanently inert firearms, spear guns, stun guns, cattle prods, or other shocking devices, up to $1,500 fine. So if, if you have a, or one of those joke, I mean, I, it's not a good idea, I understand. But if you have a replica, realistic replica of a firearm, which could be a toy, you can get a $1,500 fine. But then also for sharp objects, you know, $1,500. Uh, club-like items, which could be a dildo for all I care. You know, that could be a club-like item. Depends. <laughs> Incendiaries, which can include lighter fluids. You know, there's, there's, it's just, I didn't know this. I didn't know they can actually fine you. And then, indeed, for entering the sterile area without submitting to screening, um, up to $3,000, entering or being present. It's this, this just improper use of airport access medium, whatever that means. Uh, and then there's a little asterisk way down at the bottom. Violations not listed above are subject to the regulatory civil penalty maximum of eleven thousand dollars. So anything else except for these, you can get up to eleven grand. I didn't know any of this. These guys have no. Some they they power. slipped this one by us as usual. Yeah, we were asleep at the wheel. I can't. Well, you it. know, we're pretty. Uh, I think we we have a lot of uh, we we keep up on this stuff and the fact that this snuck by us. You know, last year, uh-huh. and has been sitting there lingering. Of course, it, got, it came to the fore because of the uh, of the "Don't Touch My Junk" guy, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, they will find him. I, I, I'm, he's well, they have get, the although right he to. did submit to the touching. I mean, he, it's not like he didn't. No, but do but, it. but leaving the area after you've after you they, they made him leave. It, well, there's some confusion there, but I I think according to the law, the way I read it or the the way it was written up, they can actually find him. Now, will he get? Well, the then fine? why don't they find the pilot? Yeah, look, um, I'm just saying there's it's another little piece that is just outrageous in this whole conversation about the powers these these goons have. 
and the fact that the public puts up with it. Why don't we just turn over the government to the to the you know the, whoever the fascists, the big fascists are? <laughs> just put G, just put GM on the White House, and we're done with it. This is, this is a General Motors division right here. Oh, by the way, John. Speaking of such, um, so th- I, I think as we asserted at the beginning of the show, a lot of this is now being used as cover up. So did not General Motors go public on Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. When all of this really hit, right? At the pretty same much. at the same time, pretty much. So um, I I would like to go to the White House whiteboard, which is now a uh, it's a it's its own show. It has its own RSS feed, and uh, it's a show. It's a podcast, actually. It's uh, Goolsby. I'm glad that somebody's picking up on this podcast idea. <laughs> yeah, they they got the right idea over at the White House, and um, I won't play the whole thing, but I I just want you to hear the cavalier cavalierness of how he basically explains to you how your money is winding up in the hands of rich people. And then I think in like 30 seconds, I can explain how it really works. But what he's doing here is a total ministry of truth work. He stands in front of the whiteboard, and he has a chart uh, for the past 10 years. Uh, is draw- Obama? No, this is Goolsby, his new uh, 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 chair no. of the Economic Advisory Board. Remember, this, oh. is, this is the guy who uh, does stand-up and and, uh, and won the, uh, the soliloquy... Uh, He's a talker. He's a mouthpiece. And, he, and you right. know, it's not an official position. He's on the Economic Board of Advisors, but he gets to be on the White House website. They should post our show on the Web House, White House website as a as some balance. Yeah, and they should. So you've got the past 10 years, and he has something called market value of GM. Have you ever heard of a, an actual statistic called market value, John? Well, there's market cap, cap exactly. which is market value, supposedly, but, why but I guess he's just, made something else up new. Yes, because, of, of course, market capitalization is the, you know, the, all the outstanding shares. the share. market value. Right, but it's all the outstanding shares and their price. That's your market capitalization is market value, correct? That's exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, and there's ha- also something called, another one that's very common is called enterprise value, which calculates into that first number the debt of the company. Right. So what he's done is he's taken market capitalization, and which he shows at uh, like less than a billion dollars in 2009. Do you think that's true? Has GM really been down to Probably, like, because okay. the stock was in the tank, and it's possible. I mean, it doesn't mean you could buy okay. the company for that. So none of this has to do with profits directly, with profits, but the way he talks about it, is is because what he's going about to do is to tell wait, wait, you. Wait, wait, hold on a second. What, I think the word you're looking for is that he's. And let me just guess. Out of the blue, he's misleading the public. Yeah, that would be correct, John. Exactly, huh? exactly. So the economic advisors. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I missed his introduction. It's the top of his show. Yeah, he needs a jingle. Goolsby's minute. Hi, I'm Austin Goolsby from the Council of Economic Advisors. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about a major milestone hit by General Motors. It's a hit, everybody. We got a number one hit with a bullet. And and by the way, listeners out there who are familiar with uh, Monday Night Football know that this is the voice of John Gruden. Oh, really? Is that what he's doing? No, that is the way he sounds exactly like him. And it's, you know, like a football analyst. Here we go. The last you heard about General Motors, they were supposed to have been on their last legs and about to die. But that's not quite how it worked out. Now, this is very interesting because I want everyone to understand there's a difference between market value and revenue and profits. Huge difference between all of that. The story really goes back more than 10 years. 
GM had become a manufacturing dinosaur that wasn't competitive internationally. They were bloated with debt. They had higher costs than other manufacturers. They were making models plagued with quality problems that people weren't willing to buy. Sounds a bit like the U.S., doesn't it? Bloated with debt, <laughs> making shit people <laughs> don't want to buy. I mean, it sounds a bit like... It's, a, it's an analogy. It's an analogy. And what I've plotted here is the market value of General Motors going from 1999 up through the past several years. And what you see is that it was trending downward. They were losing market share, they were losing customers, and they were definitely losing money. In the four years up to their bankruptcy, General Motors lost more than $80 billion. They lost more than $30 billion just in the year 2008. And so when the deep recession hit, they were really on their last breath. So the president comes into office in January of 2009. The economy's in free fall. General Motors is about to collapse. And the president has a series of very tough decisions that he has to make. I don't think that was actually true. The economy was not in free fall when he came into office. It happened uh, after he was in office, correct? No, it was, it was when he came into office. Okay. The president decides over the voices of many of the critics. <laughs> that would be us, John. We're voices yeah. of the critics here. Not to just let them liquidate in an uncontrolled manner, but instead to make a $49 billion investment in the company and to force them to restructure to make themselves competitive. Now, of course, here's where the... So that's uh, messing with a, a, uh, a non-government organization um, and is uh, something... Yeah, that- with, by the way, with an administration, the Obama administration, that has the lowest number of people who have ever worked in the private sector, in other words, had a job in the private sector in the history of the United States. No other administration has had so few. There's like two or three guys total. The rest, everybody else is a government worker or some uh, academic person, but mostly government workers. Including this guy. Inclu- yeah, including, including this Goldie. guy. He's never had a job. No, he's not. Now, critics said that they couldn't do it. They were going to die anyway, and we'd never get a dime out of that. But we learned from Ford and from others that big American manufacturing companies, when they make themselves competitive, they can be successful. And so the president launched them on a massive restructuring effort. And that involved very tough conditions. Firing the CEO. This is pretty amazing, though, right? It's like, hey, we're going to fire your CEO. Replacing a third of the management. Kick all your management out. Put in some shills. It had to be a shared sacrifice. Workers had to sacrifice, dealers, suppliers, management. So all the slaves had to sacrifice. Everybody. Well, yeah, and a lot of them, by the way, when they started not, uh, knocking the dealers off, they took a careful look at who contributed to the Obama oh, campaign. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't forgotten that. The McCain campaign. If, you contri- if you were a dealer that contributed to the McCain campaint. Your dealership way, got cut. You're out. You're yep. done. Yep. Yep. It was the only way to make that company competitive so that they could grow out of their problems. Yeah, it, which is bullcrap because the only way to be competitive is to make competitive products at competitive prices. Nothing has nothing to do with that directly. But they did it, and it did work. Okay, got, okay. now here's where it gets interesting. It worked. John, it worked. Got their costs down. People around the country started buying their cars again. And for the first... Which is... Patently not true. They started buying their cars because we had a, ba- a car bailout, the, the cash for clunkers on top of that. Can I just remind everybody? We had a cash for clunkers program, which was only for U.S.-made cars. 
please remember that. That's why it worked. Air quotes. This time in years, General Motors actually turned a profit. Again, we covered this on No Agenda. That profit was completely based upon cash for clunkers. What was that, a billion dollars, John? A billion? Oh, it was like ridiculous. And the whole thing is, this is a scam. Well, hold on. I'm going to tell you the scam in a second. I just want him to say that, that it was great. And now General Motors begins selling shares again to the public. They to the really, uh, John. Uh, did you get in on that IPO? No, I, they wouldn't give me any IPO stock, but I can buy it now in the open market. Oh yeah, but did you from get somebody in on, who got it cheaper? But where are all the billionaires made? They're made at the IPO. You get in pre-IPO, and that's where you make it, make the money because you buy the shares at maybe five dollars. They go public at thirty-three. Nice number. And then you dump it. And of course, and then you dump it. Had an well, then you sell it to the public. That's what you do. Then you turn around and send it, sell it to the public. Initial public offering that was one of the biggest in history. So this is where you're supposed to be impressed. Wow, this is great. They had the biggest initial public, which is basically borrowing money. It's borrowing money from the investors. It's not like a, a huge business win. IPOs make founders and people on the inside of the financing rich which, I have to say, includes the U.S. government. So let's follow that for a second. The value of the company? Market value of the company. See, now he's changed it from market capitalization to market value to the value of the company, which is really open to interpretation. It's now more than $50 billion, and investors gave them a major vote of confidence. Okay, so here's how it works. Let me explain. We had something called... It used to be called printing money. It's now called quantitative easing. When you see, if you happen to see it on the news, they talk about QE2, right? And it's the second round of quantitative easing, which is a, an expensive word for printing money. And of course, they use that word because if, if uh, most people understand, hey, wait a minute, printing money, doesn't that bring us inflation? Isn't that bad? So the, so the way it works is they print money so the Federal Reserve can give money, that fake invented money, to the banks the banks are supposed to lend that money to the public, but the banks didn't lend that money to the public. They are not lending it. We all know that. The president continuously reminds us the banks are doing that. No, they're not lending it to the public. They've invested it in the stock market. That's why you see stocks going up. I mean, what is the stock market, John? What's the what's uh, what what's the Dow? What's the Dow at eleven thousand still between ten, yeah, 10 as far and twelve? As I can know, remember, so, so, they, so the banks and it's, these aren't banks like Citibank necessarily or Bank of America. This is like Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, etc. They invested in shares, and guess what they invested in? In General Motors in the IPO. So then it went public. These guys made billions. And put it in their pocket. And you didn't get anything. It was your money to start with because we're going to pay for it with inflationary measures. Like The first thing that happens is fuel goes up and oil is, is rising. So all the commodities start to rise and eventually food prices will go up. It, that's just the way it goes. It takes a year before that happens, but you'll see it. So this whole, this whole uh, scam, this, the Goolsby goon is explaining is how we got ripped off and how our money, our money which was printed in our name, wound up in the hands of the people who really didn't need any more. And it, to me, it's despicable this guy stands up in front of the White House whiteboard and explains it away like this. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, let me do the one again. I don't see Curry's pet peeve of the day. Mm. I'm done. I'm done with him, with Goolsby. 
So let's take a look at some international politics while we have a shot at it. Good idea. Uh, so I'm watching a, uh, a, in fact, over the weekend, there was a, especially in the morning and some of the off hours on one of the off C-SPAN stations. It was fascinating, but it was very difficult to get clips. I have a couple uh, on, on terrorism and the future of terrorism in U.S. policy. And it was a bunch of these segments. It was done in the alternate White in the alternate uh, uh, um, House of Representatives room, which is buried underground, and apparently the, the, the new uh, bunker for a uh, bomb attack. <laughs> really? <laughs> they had, That's yeah, why they, they had, had it under. And the guys were talking about, yeah, this is where they would be. If you know, it's just like it's like a giant theater. It's really interesting. What, was, there, anyways, was there a scheduling conflict on the conference rooms or something? <laughs> well, it was. You know, this was like a bunch of seminars, and it was all these uh-huh. policy wonks, these guys who do. You know, the guys who are the. You know, the the CIA and the and the intelligence agencies don't have the only analysts in the world. And then anybody ever watches the or completely watches the show Rubicon realizes that most of these people are private. You know, they're in private companies doing this kind of work. Oh, yeah. Which and, is why Rubicon has been taken off the air because it hit too close to home. It was pretty, you know, interesting. And uh, but these, you know, there's all these companies out there. You wonder why they're so big. uh, uh and, and you wonder what they do. There is always some sort of institute. Yes, uh, and think, tank, this, think tank or think tank. But the new, but they've, they've, you, the term think tank is out, and institutes are in. <laughs> and this better. is the New America Foundation putting this on in conjunction with the Chicago Project or something. And they had all these independent wonks come out uh, that work for various people. One of them, uh, the first woman that's on there, is uh, Corey Shockey. Who just goes on about a little thing? I want to introduce you to the, the droning that goes on. I've cut these way down because I just want to bring it to an interesting point. But I'm going to play a couple of clips and then give you a little background on what they're thinking and what they're trying to promote to policymakers. But play the uh, woman. Uh, Poli- a Pol- policy wonk one? No, it's another one. I have to open up my mail. Uh, okay, I've got Doomsday, E4B, Hoover Institute, Bush Hoover Girl, Institute, Bush Girl Policy Talk. Okay, here we go. Uh, the third point I would make is that the strategy of offshore balancing uh, is oh, that's an MK Ultra experiment if I've ever heard one. <laughs> A parallel in some ways to the strategy of extended deterrence that we and the Europeans debated for the better part of the Cold War. For those of you who don't study uh, transatlantic politics, the nature of that debate was that the countries that felt threatened wanted American soldiers there because that was the most binding guarantee that the United States would actually engage in the fight when the fight came. And for about, oh, 55 years or so, Uh, Germans wrung their hands about whether the United States would really be committed to the defense of Germany if there were not U.S. troops there. Um, It is what is uh, gruesomely called the buckets of blood strategy. So if I understand correctly, uh, the Germans wanted us to have the, uh, the bases all over Germany, which are still there. Early on, yeah, I think it, it, it remains to be seen whether that's still true. But anyway, she makes the point that the only reason we're all over the place is because these countries don't believe that we'd help them at all. It, unless we had a stake in it by putting our people, our, our boots on the ground. 
Yeah, which makes some sense. But 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 the point I want to make here is that this is the kind of I had to listen to this droning of this deep policy crap for I don't know two or three hours to get to the, the, the this one thing that I'm going to make a point with. The next guy who comes up, which is a policy wonk number one, was a was a character who's a total independent analyst, extremely boring. But he ha- he makes a bunch of interesting points about how screwed up our policies are regarding Hamas and Hezbollah, saying that we can't do any of the things we want to do unless. We bring them to the table. We can't continue with this idea of uh, not d- discussing anything with terrorists. And we have to really – and his real uh, target is Iran. We've got to bring Iran back in to the – we have to be friends with them, which, of course, nobody's going to do. But play policy wonk one, then two, then I'll get to the point. I think it is indispensable that the United States realigns its relations with the Islamic Republic of Iran as fundamentally and comprehensively as it realigned its relations with the People's Republic of China in the early 1970s. I won't belabor this point right now. We can talk about it in the Q&A if you'd like. But I will simply underscore that at this point, the United States cannot achieve any of its own stated high-priority policy objectives in the Middle East, in Arab-Israeli peacemaking, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, elsewhere. We can't do it absent a more positive and productive strategic relationship with the Islamic Republic. That's really interesting. Uh, Haven't our banks uh, like uh, Goldman and J.P. Morgan just uh, opened up uh, offices in uh, Tehran? Didn't we cover that? I mean, what is the problem? I thought everything's over now. Uh, no, we're still big. we're still saber rattling. But anyway, he makes an interesting point. I'm gonna. This is the last one. There's a little point policy wonk number two, where he discusses the fact that uh, apparently we were in bed with Iran during the early part of the Afghan thing, and now we we violate. We've ch- changed our policies. Iran's telling us we're full of crap. We don't know what we're doing. And I just wanted to get that out of the way before I get to the the the, the real meat of this thing. The United States needs to pursue a genuinely regional strategy for post-conflict stabilization in Afghanistan. This means more than just a professed willingness to talk with Iran and others about Afghanistan based on what is frankly a simple-minded proposition that because the Iranians cooperated with us in Afghanistan after 9-11, they would unreflectively do so again. I say this proposition is simple-minded because it overlooks an important reality. The Iranians think that the U.S. strategy in Afghanistan has shifted away from the strategy initially pursued there in coordination with them during 2001 to 2003. The U.S. strategy that has emerged in Afghanistan is interpreted by the Iranians as either fundamentally incoherent or to the extent that it has some coherence has aimed deliberately at important Iranian interests. More specifically, the Iranians think that the Obama administration's gradual embrace of engagement with the Taliban is dangerous nonsense. As one senior Iranian official put it to me, if the United States wants to strike a deal with the Taliban, why did it invade Afghanistan in the first place? All right. Okay. So there's a bunch of these things going on. And by the way, the overall the thesis, it seems to me, is that we're doing this everything wrong. Which is fine. So that we went on and I got quite a bit out of it. And then they, they pulled a trick and I've seen this done before. This is going on more and more and I've seen it in tech conferences and I saw it on this thing where they, where they have a shill they, in the audience. 
Well, there no, no. That's the problem. So the, to avoid the shill or the guy with the good question, and you'll see that you'll start. Everyone who goes to conferences is going to start to see this because this is the trick. At the end of all these wonk speeches about you know this and that, this guy that who's the narr- the uh, host, he goes on and says, "Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna take a few questions, but what we want to do is I'm gonna I want you to ask a question, and then you ask, and we're gonna take all the questions at once, and then the panel will ask, answer the oh, questions." Oh, what a horrible way of doing it! Have you ever seen this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. First, we'll uh, first, and it's and it's so non-interactive. It's like you make, I mean, why don't you submit it in writing, which they do as well, right? Yeah, they do that too, and then you can go through them. Right. But so they have a whole bunch of people ask questions. Like you know, they had about four, ten, I'm sorry, about ten people ask a question. They answered like two of them, but the one they definitely didn't answer. It, this answer, this question comes up out of the blue uh, from a guy who's another. He runs a magazine that's for analysts, I guess, and called Executive Intelligence. <laughs> and he asked this question. This is the question from the audience that I just went, "Oh, I, we got to follow up on this one." And they didn't even touch this with a ten-foot pole. Thank you, Mike Billington from Executive Intelligence Review. None of you have mentioned the narco side of narco terrorism, and yet, as I'm sure you know, the Russians uh, have, uh, especially Viktor Ivanov, their drug czar, has declared Afghanistan to be essentially a second British opium war with the massive flow of drugs out of uh, out of the British controlled area of Afghanistan or okay. until recently. I want you to move to the question. Uh, very quick. Um, <laughs> hey, 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 don't be too smart there. Move it along, will you? Shut up. The problem is that the U.S. Admin- administration under Obama has basically said we shouldn't take on the drug issue. We want to focus on terrorism. General Jones, just two days before he was fired or resigned, gave a very powerful speech in Russia, fully endorsing the Russian call for a global collaborative effort on fighting drugs, fighting international crime, and the sophisticated interface with international business. So I'd very much like to hear your comments on that. Wow. Thank you. Wow. The sophisticated interface with international business. I love it. General Jones was fired shortly after giving a speech to the Russians saying, yeah, you guys are right. (laughs) <laughs> so what's that all about? So well, wait a minute. So does that kind of uh, bring up our uh, incessant harping on the fact that we're protecting yeah. the poppy fields and that this uh, only it brings in two other issues. It brings in who's this General Jones guy? I've never heard about, and what has this got to do? Why is it in the British section of as in, Afghanistan? As in the British Opium War. Interesting. So there's something. So there's a, so apparently there's more dimensions to this than our simple, you know, it's the CIA moving a bunch of money out or a bunch of uh, opium out uh, or heroin, as it were, because they got the f- processing facilities there too. We would assume, but the fact they dr- they would not talk. They just this was no. Wow. He didn't even want him answer asking the question, let alone discussing it in public. I'm sure that it didn't. See, this was a public C-SPAN event. Yeah, hold on one second, John, because everyone needs to know. It's what we do so you don't have to. C-SPAN. So you don't have to. Yeah, in fact, it, it took me forever. When this happened, I said, oh, finally, I got something I can use. Yeah. Because I, mean, I couldn't, you couldn't play these 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 little lectures, these people. I mean, it was interesting. I know, I you, got sit, you sit there and record. I mean, we have to record over the Kardashians, over Chelsea lately. We got to record over everything just to have enough space on the DVR to get to anything. So anyway, so this was the jam. And I think it's got enough little tidbits in it because, you know, he was trying. Ooh. 
And the C-SPAN, you know, when you watch this thing, which is a bunch of policy wonks going on and on about various things from an analyst perspective, an intelligence analyst, uh, you're not going to get the really great stuff because this is on C-SPAN. The guy kept reminding everybody this was on C-SPAN. So they would, you know, so they're going to be slightly circumspect. About what they talk about, right. The audience was filled with with various intelligence agency people. Right. You could tell by looking at it. Right. Not the, spooks. You know, spooks. <laughs> the spooks. place was filled with spooks and wannabe spooks and and independents oh, and spook you know groupies. Brookings Foundation. <laughs> I mean, all these different people were in. There was a big audience, huge, packed. How can they had panel this, after man. panel after panel of these people? And they, but they would not address this particular topic. It never went toward it. Every time it, it was just derailed. Well, no wonder it was in the bunker of the of the house. No wonder this is like the, these. These are the real guys, the real yeah. guys. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So you couldn't buy. You know, it was just like kind of a joke that they could. They said they couldn't get any other space. No, that's the place you could put them where they could all be protected. Yeah, because it one one bomb in that place, and it would get rid of the entire system. Yeah, so you want so they put him in the bunker of the House of Representatives, and they gave this. They, that's where the conference took place. Wow! And it was like so. Okay. Did, did anyone answer the question? No, that question was never addressed. <laughs> there you go. That was the answer. <laughs> wow! So we are we're. I mean, we thought we were outrageous with saying that the poppies and the CIA and bring it in on. Uh, on the military flights, and that it, you know a lot of it was used to define, you know, is being used whitewashed through Wall Street, even but, though we know for a fact this was done during the Vietnam War. Yes, and, and uh, go watch American Gangster. Yep, which is based which is on basically tr- more of a documentary than a nonfiction piece. Yeah, with with a hot actor, you know, Denzel Washington, really hot. Women love him. Um, but but there's so much more to it. The British the British part really freaked me out there for a second though because I hadn't I thought it was just U.S. But I guess the what was the first because he says it's the second British opium war. What was the first? That was the one in China where they said you guys are taking tea and we're taking the opium. Or no, I'm sorry, it was the other way around. They said you're taking our opium wherever they got it from mm-hmm. and you're going to use that and we're going to take your tea. <laughs> Give us your tea. And so they, the first opium one, there was a, there was actually a little war over this thing because the Chinese were, we don't want opium. It's going to kill our people. Too bad. Right. But but now it's killing the Russian people. Right. And that's why the Russians are so upset about what's going on. And so then so when one of our guys, uh, General Jones, goes over there and says, yeah, you're right. I don't know what we're going to do about it. Boom, he's fired. <laughs> you're out, dude. Shut I up. Mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, geez. I mean, how much further can we take this? You know, I mean, that shows up this guy from Executive Intelligence, the magazine, I'm sure. You're got right. a call the next right. day. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, uh, did you read that document that you were supposed to sign before yeah. we were on C-SPAN? Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, the TSA Naked Body Scanners. The distraction of the week. Hey, oh no, agenda. Wow, good catch, John. Good one. I give you max points for that. That's uh, and and thank yeah, and thank you for uh, for watching that. Thank so you yeah. have to. Yeah. <laughs> I do know a lot more than I knew, but I mean, it's yeah. like okay. Well, and, uh, well, you know what? We've got uh, low friends in high places, and uh, <laughs> and by the way, uh, my email now is I ha- I installed new GNU PGP, which is the uh, it's a new version of PGP. It's actually pretty simple to install now. If you, it's like I, can, I like I could do it in like fifteen minutes, and uh, so you can send me encrypted email and documents. It's really safe now. 
And I encourage everyone else who uh, has something so talk to about say. encrypted email documents. What do you think the deal is with the Swedes deciding to to arrest if they can find him? Uh, what's oh, Assange? Name? Julian Assange? Yeah. yeah, that guy. Yeah, well, I think, uh, as we predicted, it's uh, time for two to the head for the guy. Well, maybe he's gone off the reservation. Uh, forget that. Uh, what is the... What is the deal with Jimmy Wales's head on every Wikipedia page? <laughs> this is from different angles. But you know, he, it's just like—is he trying to look like a sad little child from uh, Malawi? No, he thinks he's a hunk. To be honest about it, now let me tell you something that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, I, Wales is kind of—he uh, he very he's, he's he's always kind of puffed up when you run into him, and he's he's very and he's got that you know that that kind of that that funny looking. Um, short cropped beard thing that you need a special razor to cut uh and he has his uh, the, business the, the, the card. don johnson razor right he has a business card and on his business card there is a picture of him oh and that's what i have on my business card a picture he's got no he's got a picture on the on the business card he's got his name in his picture and if you turn the business card over <laughs> it's a full picture oh wow it's a porno card so he has a card that, which is just like, I've never seen anyone do this, but he has a picture on the front and a full picture. The whole back of a card is his face. One of those pictures that you see on the uh, wiki page. And I just think it's a pickup card. Hey, look at me. You well, won't yeah, forget this face. But it, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, so, you know, there's, there's good and bad about Wikipedia. Bad is uh, kids are being taught to use it in school as absolute truth. Yeah, which is bad. This is really bad, um, but good because for general information, so, you know, there's there's some validity to it. But every yeah, it's single good for the big chunks, yeah, but every single page has his picture on it. Like we need money, but why his picture? Why I not? Think he's trying to get laid. <laughs> okay, well there you go. <laughs> I just thank you. It's mystery solved. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> mystery. Simple. Just trying to get laid. Complicated. Hey, I got a lot of flack um, from uh, some of our. Producers and listeners, which of course is the same thing, from Gitmo Nation Leprechaun, or also known as Gitmo Nation Shamrock, Gitmo Nation Brokeass, uh, Ireland. And I played that clip from the Minister of Finance on the BBC on Thursday's show, and people are like, hey, that guy's actually he's a dork, he's a total dick, and uh, he's part of the problem. And of course, I know very little about Ireland other than uh, U2 is from there. And uh, and I have been to Ireland once, and it's, of course, stunningly beautiful country. But there's this uh, video. More colors of green there than anywhere. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. But there's uh, a clip. It's called The Irish Crisis in 30 Seconds. The clip lasts two minutes, interestingly enough. Um, but I do want to play it because it does indeed explain. No wonder they're out of money. <laughs> That's, it's exactly the problem. But listen to it because it really, and a lot of people say, hey, this is the guy you want to listen to. Here's the information. Uh, this is what really happened and, and why uh, Ireland is in a bind. The ailing Irish economy is still afloat. That's the message from the country's leaders as they insist they don't need bailing out. For many people outside Ireland, the swift decline of the Celtic tiger economy is somewhat baffling. David McWilliams, a leading Irish economist, says he can explain it in 30 seconds. It's very simple. We misdiagnosed a large overdraft from Germany as an economic miracle. The Germans lent money to the Irish banks who lent money to the Irish people. And then when that money started to run out or when the Germans wanted their money back about two years ago, we didn't have it. That's exactly what happened. And the reason we didn't have it is we spent it all on houses, and our balance sheet looks like this. Houses on one side, debts on the other, house prices are falling, 
and the cost of debt is rising. Oh, there you go. So I didn't know that. It's the, it was the German banks who lent to the Irish banks, and then the Gitmo Nation Deutschland said, "Hey, uh, we're calling, calling our, in their loans. We're calling, calling in the marker. marker. Yeah, we're calling in the marker, dude. Send it back." Uh, well, why'd you give it to us in the first yeah, place? Man, we're, not, we can't, we're not prepared to give it back to you yet. What's that all about? So, but that's not the way Europe is supposed to work, is it? I mean, two years well, I ago. I have no idea how Europe is supposed to work. <laughs> I don't know that it works. So, anyway, I, I, no, uh, I don't really think it does work. Um, but uh, very, uh, very interesting analysis to understand how. And, of course, what's happening now. And I won't play the rest of the report, but uh, you can see for yourself it's in the show notes, is that uh, all the, the, the new English, uh, Irish workforce, they're all preparing, even in school, they interview a couple kids at school, uh, they're preparing to go to New York, to London, uh, Hong Kong, anywhere. Everyone's leaving the country en masse. And, you know, when everyone leaves the country, that's when guys like the IMF and the other economic hit men come in and buy pieces of the country. Yeah. Okay, I'll take this. That's mine. It's all about land at the end of the at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's all about. I think the we land. should buy some land ourselves. We should get some Irish uh, in Ireland. Some some leprechaun land. If we wait long enough, we might be able to afford it. Yeah. Well, not at the rate we're going. <laughs> but let's uh, talk about some of that. At yeah. The let's, let's, uh, I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. So uh, we got a few people we want to thank this week for uh, helping us out, helping us produce this show on this fine Sunday. John, Sir John Smith of Alpharetta, Georgia, $100. And he says, uh, come on, guys, we have a DBI, which is interesting, a douchebag index of 99%. <laughs> if not DBA. for John and Adam, you could at least find 5 or 10 bucks For guys like Pelsmacher, Couture, and others who keep the show going, John Smith being one of them. Be a donor, not a boner. Hey, I'll give him a little... Uh, in the morning. Good one. I like that. We got a check in the mail also from, uh, and I've got the mailing address on the uh, Dvorak.org slash NA site for people who want to uh, mail a just, check in. Just with, send us some cash. We prefer that because it, uh, PayPal gets nothing. In fact, uh, uh, Stephen Dean, uh, sounds like Stephen Dean, he says, founder of Dean Co. IT Services. And my contribution to keep you going on a daily basis breaks down like this $50 for a de-douching or douching. <laughs> de-douching? Okay. You've been de-douched. He's $50 for karma for his friend, fledgling Chicago area home-based business computer repair company pronounced like James Dean Co. Services at itservices.deanco, D-E-A-N-E-Co.com. You've got karma. And a $30 monthly membership to be sent by check. Screw PayPal, he says. <laughs> he says that our show is the greatest show in the world. Well, thank you. We think so, too. Carl Ranson, Christchurch, Canterbury, New Zealand, $100. Hi, John and Adam. Wanted to send some support for the recent good work on TSA abuses. Can I also get a mention of my app, Thinking Rock, which is the iPhone companion for popular getting things done desktop app of the same name? And he's got a uh, trgt.com.au. No, it's trgtd. It's uh, grtgtd.com. I'll take a look at that. Is it's for a, an? Is that an iPhone app? Well, that's what yeah, he says. for the iPhone. Oh, cool. I'll take a look. I, I'm, I'm a fan of getting things done. It works. Yeah. Good luck, Michael Kearns. <laughs> no, we know you don't use it. That's for sure. But maybe I need it. I should get an iPhone. Platte City, Missouri. 
Uh, 6969 ITM, John Adam, most don't know. There's a Kansas City, Missouri, and a, and a Kansas City, Kansas, I know. I mentioned it last week. And because they're, you did, oh, that's me, I'm rolling out a new website next week developed by interns and need some karma. Does he have a, a website address for that? Not yet, apparently. Okay. You've got karma. John Snyder, Sir John Snyder, uh, Chicago, Illinois, $67, donating to remind everybody to brine their turkeys. Ah, what is the process of brining? It's taking the bird. First, you need a huge pot, Ooh. and then you take the bird and you and you, you. There's a solution. You can look it up on the internet of water, uh, some spices, and salt. Lots of salt. Oh, of and course, dump, brine. Yeah, brine would make sense. And you yeah. dump the turkey in there for like. 24 to 48 hours, something like that. And uh-huh. then it soaks up some of this stuff. And hey, then get, I, I might try that. I'm, I'm doing the turkey uh, this it year. It makes a juicier bird. Really? So brine. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's Look it up. Tip. Look at brining turkeys. And, you know, if you want to practice, and anyone who doesn't is skeptical, I don't do it. I do it with chickens once in a while. Uh, chickens, brine chickens are quite good. Well, if you're and skeptical, it, then, then I may not want to do it. I no, mean, no, I'm only skeptical because I don't really like, I, I don't have a problem cooking turkey properly. So I don't, I don't believe I need to brine my turkey. Is it easier to brine? Is that the whole idea? Well, it or? makes the bird less likely to, to dry out the bird. A lot of people, they overcook their You know that this brining cook. will, of course, uh, cause heart attacks and, uh, an early coronary disease, coronary disease. Well, yeah. <laughs> according to the sur- survey shows. <laughs> yeah, according to the American public, it's CBS. I, I, I'm also uh, going to do candied yams, so I need a good recipe for candied yams. Oh, I got yams. a great recipe for yams. <clears throat> we'll do it right now. Ready? Yeah. Now, this I got from Emeril, and I, I've tried it a couple of times. It's fantastic. Well, it's not your recipe, then. It's from Emeril. No, no. You, all recipes are not my recipe. Oh, okay. But believe me, this is a, you wanted a good recipe. I'm yeah, going to give I you. Yeah, I want to go. Good. Uh, you 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 bake like how many yams you're gonna you get some garnet yams those are the sweetest garnet garnet, garnet yams yeah, okay. garnet yams are good mm-hmm. so you get some garnet yams and you maybe about three or four of them mm-hmm. five depends on this you want the big ones you got to cook them on, in the oven uh, you have to bake them in the oven so they get kind of sweet but you, it's going to take you an hour and fifteen minutes to do this and you wait until the and put them over a foil because this this ooze goops out of the the ends right. And uh, then you take and you, you pull them out, and then you split them open, and you scrape out all the uh, the good stuff, all the, the insides, goop, the including goop. the stuff along the skin, if you can. Yeah. And then you you mix it in with butter, mm. and it, you can figure out the proportions as you do it: butter, cream, mm. and bourbon. Ooh, bourbon, right? And I'm telling you, but it how does is, it get can- candyized? It's it's well, you didn't. I'm not. It's the candyized takes place during the baking process the, they're actually kind of candy what right. people do is they put in honey and things like that to make them a little sweeter right. you can put a little honey in if you want to just get the to garnet this, yams though that's the best to this recipe right but it's the bourbon bourbon and cream and <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I love it you, I anyone love out there can experiment with it. the with the proportions but, but, Ed, Ed, Sorry. Ed Chavez, New York, New York, 6610. Uh, might be better suited for a DH unplugged, but have you heard of the new treaty Japan has with Mongolia for rare earth minerals? We'll do that on DH unplugged. And uh, he's a native San Franciscan. Thrilled to realize that once I started donating to No Agenda, the Giants finally won a World Series. There oh, you have it. It's proof. It works. I knew it. Yep. I knew something accounted for it. <laughs> John Martinez, Gilroy, California, 5555. Uh, Martin Osterhout. Osterhout. Osterhout in Albany, New York, 5555. <laughs> Born in 55, turned 55 this Sunday. We'll celebrate by listening to his 55th podcast. No. <laughs> yeah, we wish. 
favorite podcast. He right. liked to challenge all the douchebags who haven't donated to match his donation. If he can afford, if he can afford it with his college food service worker salary, they should be able to cough up a few bucks and. And I get laid off. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think it means I got laid off. No, no, he's a, I get laid off for four months a year. Yeah. Right, because there's no school. Right, and, he's, and he uh, can afford it. And he can afford it. Well, thank you very much, Martin. We really appreciate that. Big deal for us. Kevin uh, Deusling, or I like to call Kevin Deusbag Deuce Deusling, <laughs> donating his money on behalf of my friend jo Justin Caldwell, who celebrated his 25th birthday. Yep. We'll give him a call in a second. Yep. Uh, and you need some karma. Oh, okay, we can give him Oops, sorry. You've got karma. Like the name Deucebag. Ted Howard, 5510 Dallas, Texas. Happy 32nd birthday. He's got, that's coming up. Nicholas, just Nicholas in Warsaw, Poland. That's nice. 5510, planning to mention my name. Just use Nicholas from Warsaw, not hey, my real name. It worked. Idiot. Thank you, Eric Shill. Uh, uh, hi, uh, John. I've been listening to the show for a few months. Yeah, I guess the Stasi or somebody's going to. Uh, <laughs> been listening to the show for a few months and absolutely love it. Great job. Looking for some major karma. I need to find a good job. The present one is total crap hole. <laughs> okay, wow. Extra karma for you. You've got <laughs> karma. Crap hole. Wow, that's bad. That's bad <laughs> mojo the, right there, man. <laughs> Richard Nossel Davidson, North Carolina, $50. Ricky Pierce continuing his knighthood layaway, $50. Joseph Costello, Pitts, Pittston, Pennsylvania. Last time he asked for help with disgusting hotel rooms. Your karma really works. Three perfect rooms in a row. No Yo, bed bugs. Right on, right on. Please it's send some karma to my wife and her friend Mar Mary. Well, we'll do that one more time then. You've got karma. Okay. George Vanderhorst. Kotzhovel. Kotzhovel. Yeah, very good. Kotzhovel. $50. Craig, and finally, Craig Jones in Danville, Pennsylvania. Which, which means Bounce Hill, by the way. Bounce Hill? Yeah, Bounce Hill. Kotzhovel. I wonder what, what, what the reference is to. <laughs> Those Dutch, man, I tell you. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Craig Jones is a 21-year-old college student from Danville, PA. Love the show. Send my old college roommate, N.A. Minuteman, Andrew Schmidt, a birthday shout-out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. we got some birthdays. And he wanted some karma as well, so we'll give him that for a second. You've got karma. All right. Uh, enough karma dished out today. you got to be careful with that karma bag. It's your birthday, birthday. Kevin Deusling says to his buddy Justin Caldwell, turns 25th, uh, turned 25th yesterday. Ted Howard says happy 32nd birthday to Josh Gertson. And Craig Jones wishes uh, no agenda minute man Andrew Schmidt a happy birthday. He turns 23 on the 24th. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah! Noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA. Help us out for the next show. We need uh, more producers. Uh, and ShallonDvorak.com if you can't get to Dvorak.org slash NA. And uh, we have the uh, new uh, initiative on there for a dollar an hour, which you should read about. The idea is that you uh, get more than a dollar an hour's worth of entertainment compared to what you pay for a movie. Uh, Hell which yeah. Is, what ten bucks an hour, and uh, you can't listen to it over and over, which you can do with our show. And uh, we also have the niner 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 thing. Which, yeah, we uh, had no niner niner niners today. Yeah, I found that distressing. Yeah, that is a little distressing. It's a brand new promotion and it goes right down the drain. Yeah, well, these things, you know, they're all experimental. You never know what sticks. Now, do we want to talk about some of the new initiatives we're working on, you and I? 
Uh, we've got, yeah, we're going to do a talking points memo, which I think is valuable. Uh, I've come to the conclusion, and Adam and I have discussed this, uh, which is that... On email only, by the way. We haven't actually talked. Well, we talk kind of on email. <laughs> but that's we more try not that. to talk. We try not to it, talk, yes. It ruins the show because we'll talk about stuff and it never goes on the show, so right. we have to be careful. And, and, and four hours a week is enough. And by the way, other. the other thing is, I, like I talked to him, I said, I know what I've got. I got a good thing for this show. I'll bet you Adam's got the same one. Hey, probably. And so we always, so there's a slight competition here, which is, is this show is not rehearsed. No. It's rehearsed all. by the individual. I mean, we think of the stuff we're going to do, but we don't work it together. We work off of each other. Yes, and it's just that the show's organized. Right. And that's why we can't do the show in the same studio either. No, because, you know, it's what a distraction that would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I like when I work with Leo Laporte. I, you know, we've worked together before in the same room, and, and we actually work better because you know we know all our cues. But that would ruin this show because we'd be cueing off each other, and it'd right. become more of a comedy act. Yeah, and and let's face it, we're no comedians. Yeah, and it's you well. Know. All right, so so we've got the talking points memo that will go out to uh, everyone who has donated. Is that how that works? Well, it's going to go out to everyone that's on the mailing list. So we can encourage people to get on the mailing list. Right. You can see it when you go to No Agenda Show. There's a link to it. There's a link on Curry.com and there's a link on Dvorak.org when I do when I post the show. And get if you get on that mailing list, you'll get the talking points memo. And the talking points memo is going to be a short summary, like of the TSA thing of of real succinct points because this is what political parties do in candidates everybody uses this because what you can do is if you know what the and there's going to be few of them you don't have a lot of them you just have a strong little points like when adam had his little discussion with his producer friend at the dinner the other night in hollywood uh he had those were kind of talking points that he was addressing and if you have these you can derail usually people who who are argumentative and uh, you can, or, or you can just get them thinking about something. I mean, what I personally like is if you can throw a talking point out there, that then they start asking you questions. Once you've got someone asking you questions, then you're golden. If yeah, you, you're you're in charge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then it's like, oh, well, go ahead, ask me. You know, I've 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 got some answers for you. That's that's the the magic that you wanted. To. When can we get this first one out, John? Can we get this one out before Thanksgiving? Well, I'm got to. Uh, I can. I, what I'm going to oh, do that's is a no. <laughs> that's a no <laughs> i want to get a mailing out to announce the talking points to people and then maybe i can get one out before christmas i wanted to do the first one in january but i can probably do one in a few weeks that'll be good i, I, you know. I, I, but I want to get this I let people join up to, so they can get it because i i'm not going to like re, you know i don't want to send them out over and over again and i don't want to post them uh but anyway no no it, it, it's exclusive list. exclusive for people who are on the mailing list and it's very and, important you support this show dvorak.org slash na channel dvorak.com slash na the five dollar supporters the lucky 33 the 30 dollars the uh, boarding pass everybody we appreciate it so much we really do keep telling more people uh particularly this uh, this holiday season uh, coming up uh, and you, you're, you're certainly going to be able to say, I knew all this was coming down, all this TSA crap. I know how you know. Well, I've been listening to the show called No Agenda. You know, I knew about this a half year ago. I knew about all this. I knew it was happening. It's a part of something bigger. Uh, and, uh, and, and you, you certainly, by now, you can easily talk about the money, uh, where the money's going, what the real push is for the scanners. You can talk about the radiation. You don't need no talking points. You've been listening to the show for two weeks. You've got enough talking points for thanksgiving and don't be a dick about it just you know just be you know calm you know it's like oh well, you know it's because people always want to be on the inside really you knew about all this oh yeah i knew this was coming this was uh 
We knew this. I mean, well, you don't get it on on real television. You get it on like C-SPAN. C-SPAN. You watch C-SPAN? No, these these two guys. Who they, wants to watch C-SPAN? No, you don't have to because these two guys they do it so you don't have to. It's really cool. You should check it out. Noagendashow.com. Right. So that that's pretty much that's talking points for the show. We'll yeah. do one of those yeah. too. And, Why you should wa- listen to the show? And I did want to mention when I, it was at Soho House, John, where I had we had the dinner with. Uh, with Frank Karachi. Soho, south of Houston. Yeah, the Soho House is uh, originated in London. It's where it's like all the Hollywood elite are members of the Soho Club, and um, you can't uh, use your cell phone. And you, it's like a club, and you can't use your, uh, uh, you can't take pictures. And so you know, they, like all the big directors and stars hang out there, and you have to be a member, and you get blackballed, and all this. Oh, stuff. it was it was a, it was a, it was a, it was the club. It's the club. Yeah. It's oh, the, and you got invited. Yeah, the second time oh, cool. actually. But this was a uh, yeah. So Frank, is the said, food any good? Yes, I was going to mention that because they had on the menu a brand new item for dessert: persimmons pudding bread. <laughs> and that was, should have been delicious. It was amazing. And and I actually and you know, I called it. I said, hey, you know, and Frank, by the way, you know, I think he likes to eat. Um, and uh, I said, dude, you totally want. I'm just like, this is like, I used your talking point. I'm like, oh, persimmons bread, man. You're going to love this. I've never had in my life, right? <laughs> it's like, it can't go wrong with persimmons bread. It's this Native American fruit. It's back in vogue. Everyone's talking about it. And he attacked it. Like, oh, my God, this is great. You're so right. Another win for no agenda. Not just on the political front. But you can also say, I could have said, well, you know, I learned about this on no agenda. I've got a quiz for you, John, because you know, you know you've really made it. You know you're really in. You know that you are there, that you are at the top. You are, you, I mean, you are in the public discourse. You are a part of the conversation when you are the clue to a question on Jeopardy. Would you agree yeah. with me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go, John. This is from the college uh, Jeopardy. It's the finals. It's the final Jeopardy. It's the final question, November 19th, 2010. Uh, Yale against Boston and some other college. Who, the guy wasn't wearing a sweatshirt with his uh, his college on it. Douche. Um, of course, the Boston chick wins. Uh, the the Yaley guy has. It doesn't matter. Listen to the final question for Final Jeopardy, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, invite you your attention to this. Good game, excellent game. Rated E for everyone. Our living planet is the category for final today, and here is the clue that will determine help determine our champion. Several species appear in the logo of the UN's International Year of this 12-letter word, vital to the health of life on Earth. 30 seconds, players. Good luck. Ah, uh, John. Um, what could it be? Hold on. 12... I'm betting it all. <laughs> betting it all. <laughs> Wait, all your money? You, you, know, you can't seriously be betting all of it. Uh, oh, yeah. You know what? Why don't we listen to the answer, and, uh, and then we'll look at your card and see if you're right. Okay? You write it down. We'll Hans, see if you're we'll right. We'll begin with you. You were in third place with an impressive 13,800. Did you come up with the correct 12-letter word? You said, what is conservation? Oh. Sorry. That's wrong. Oh, conservation. It cost you how much? Two thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. That drops you down to ten thousand eight hundred one. You had no money yesterday, so you remain with that total. Let's go to Sam Spaulding. Fourteen thousand. The Yale guy. Which twelve-letter word did he think of? What is biodiversity? (laughs) There you go, everybody. Biodiversity. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you had it. Biodiversity. 
Which, how many letters in that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, actually, in biodiversité, because you have two E's at the end, with the accent on the first one. So the, the Jeopardy question was actually incorrect. It's, so, uh, <laughs> it's 13 letters. And then, and then, but listen, this was even funnier, because the girl who won, because she didn't bet a lot of money, listen to her answer. That is the correct word. <sighs> the wager. Right, so that's this guy. Now, now listen to the that girl who wins. What her answer was? Two hundred and one. I mean, she yesterday. was looking for twelve for twelve that letters. A two-day total of twenty-seven thousand six hundred and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Erin has go. her eyes closed because what did she write down? What is diversity? Well, how, how? What kind of idiot are you? I mean, was the, if you have to have twelve letters and you write down diversity? Uh, <laughs> I mean, how short stu- one? How stupid! She's got the diversity part. How can she mess up the bio part? I don't. I don't understand how that works. Anyway, so she met, she she wasn't brainwashed to death to the point where she would come to her. What was the, who was the what was the school that that kid who got it right? Where Yale. Was he from? Yale. Yeah. Typical. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It is now an official final Jeopardy answer. Biodiversité. Remember you say it loud and proud. When everyone's talking about it, you say, excuse me, it's pronounced biodiversité. Té. All right. <laughs> um, we have I got to some- move to a new uh, Plavix ad. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Pla- we have, what, what, does Plavix, uh, what does Plavix do again? I forget. It's just <laughs> another one of those things that will kill you. But the point is is that this one's interesting because this is another one of those ads where the, where the where one of your kids is lecturing you oh, about yeah. what you're to do. Oh, yeah, you're stupid. This must be for heart attack then. You're stupid. And so the one that's – what's really interesting about this one is that, yeah, and is this – the kid – they're making the kids younger. This is like a young girl. She's probably about 12, and she's got an iPhone – and she's lecturing her mom based on the search that she does on the iPhone and reads from the Wikipedia and everything else. Oh, and look, there's a picture of Jimmy Wales. It's just like, <laughs> give me a break. Hit it. Mom, new shoes? Old legs. P-A-D, the doctor said. P-A-D. P-A-D? Pad? P-A-D? Did you just roll, looks it up? PAD isn't just poor circulation in your legs causing you pain. It more than doubles your risk of a heart attack or stroke. I was going to tell you. If you have PAD, Plavix can help protect you from a heart attack or stroke. Plavix helps keep blood platelets from sticking together and forming clots, the cause of most heart attacks and strokes. Call the doctor about Plavix, please. I will. Certain genetic factors and some medicines such as Prilosec reduce the effect of Plavix, leaving you at greater risk for heart attack and stroke. Your doctor may use genetic tests to determine treatment. (laughs) Don't stop taking Plavix without talking to your doctor, as your risk of heart attack or stroke may increase. People with stomach ulcers or conditions that cause bleeding should not use Plavix. Taking Plavix alone or with some other medicines, including aspirin, may increase bleeding risk. So tell your doctor when planning surgery. Tell your doctor all medicines you take, including aspirin, especially if you've had a stroke. If fever, unexplained weakness, or confusion develops, tell your doctor promptly. These may be signs of TTP, a rare but potentially life-threatening condition reported sometimes less than two weeks after starting Plavix. Other rare but serious side effects may occur. Talk to your doctor about Plavix. So very interesting, and I have a follow-on to this, but if you Google PAD, which you'd almost expect Google to say, did you mean iPad? No. You, you Google PAD, pad, a word that's been around for a long time, ever since there's been frogs, you immediately get peripheral artery disease. 
It's right there. Peripheral yep. artery disease. Actually, so you have two ads on my my Google. I have one ad. The top. I is, have two is ads an ad. and yeah. and and two on the side. So I have four ads. Yeah. And then one, two, and then the top two uh, hit. So I got one, two, three, four things at the top and two on the side. Huh. That's pretty and then, amazing. Then right after that comes legal pad. Now I'm signed in. I don't even get legal pad. I've got a Wikipedia. Yeah, but you're not probably not signed in. Uh, you can bet on that, my friend. So I'll sign out. Uh, I don't get pad outdoor. Is the is the that's the eighth hit? No, I'm sorry. I was signed out. Let um, me sign in. And then after that, I get pad Thai. Then I start to get some other pad. See, this is the problem with Google. <laughs> just, I, Speaker Boehner avoids airport pad down. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah. Now, it's so a Mayo Clinic, uh, heart.org. So, pad down. this is actually um, interesting you bring this up, John. Uh, do you know what uh, was finally released today? Uh, uh, I'll No, Yeah, I only saw it this morning. Uh, on the ClintonFoundation.org, so I haven't had uh, a... Oh, wait a minute. Stop. So you went to the ClintonFoundation.org and you found they finally filed their paperwork. Yes, they have filed their Form 990. Great. That's correct. And uh, so they, they do two documents. One is the IRS Form 990. Uh, this is for uh, 2009, by the way. So this does not include any Haitian relief. We'll have to wait for another year to find out what happened to that money. But you know what? I have a feeling I won't forget. Yeah. Uh, and then they do in a little analysis, uh, which, of course, is uh, the report from BKDLLP CPAs and advisors, uh, who are the auditors, who, of course, say, hey, these numbers are right, and uh, we, we trust in all this. So, I, I, uh, so again, $30 million in salaries in, uh, in general. Uh, the same disclaimer, just the top of the line stuff, right? The same, dis- I have to look at more. The same disclaimers that they have not actually um, formalized any procedures for retaining their top officers and managers, but they are working on this. So they said the same thing in last year's report, which basically means, hey, you know, we're, we're giving these people incentives to stay, but we haven't officially done anything official yet. So it's kind of ad hoc and whatever. So, you know, take it for what it is. Uh, here's what's interesting. Um, in their on their balance sheet, they have uh, just shy of 120 million dollars of property and equipment, which I find to be an astounding amount of money. 120 million dollars of property. Wow. Yeah, uh, 30 million dollars in salaries, and then uh, v- the actual money coming in from public donations is like five million dollars. Do you know where 122 million dollars a year comes from? From no, the, from, where? From the government. What? For, for, yes, from government grants. It's like $122 million a year, which is their largest uh, uh, item on the balance sheet on the income side, comes from uh, government. What a scam. Well, Wasn't wait, this guy just working for the government? Well, wait until you hear the real scam. So then I look at the other, and for some reason, I'm actually pretty good at finding weird things in annual reports. I've always been able to do this, you know, I... I uh, was an officer of a publicly listed company, and I was not well-loved amongst the manager- management because they'd send around um, you know, the, the report for shareholders, and I'd be like, what's that? <laughs> like, shut up, slave. Be quiet. This is fine. Arthur Anderson loves us. Um, but the largest on the, uh, on the expenditure side is uh, just shy of $102 million, 
So almost evening out the $122 million coming in. So basically, um, the, the money that comes in from the government, $120 million, uh, uh, let's say a lot of that goes towards salaries, right? $20, $30 million, give or take, who's counting? Oh, by the way, funny, $11 million in travel. I'm telling you, those, those jets are expensive. Yeah, you, you rent a yeah, jet. But the You're big, not traveling on an airplane. You're on the, traveling on a private jet. On the expense side, the largest expense, 100 and, 101 and some change million dollars, pharmaceuticals. What? Pharmaceuticals. It's literally, that, that's, it's that, pharmaceuticals. What, is that referring to cocaine or what? <laughs> no, that's, I guess that's uh, drugs that, uh, the, so the Clinton's like a middleman. Oh, that for they the, give away. Yeah. So, so we get $120 million dollars. From the from the, from the people, from the government, from our, that's your money and my money. We give that to Clinton. He takes thirty mil for himself for the, the operating expenses and passes the rest on to the farm pharmaceuticals. Huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting how that works, huh? And by the way, everything is it's uh, every uh, expenditure is listed under climate and health, climate and health, climate and health. So everything is climate and health. Hmm. And then they have all these big wire transfers that go to individual countries. I'm talking, you know, $500,000, $1 million, $2 million. Uh, but the recipients are redacted in the Form 990. They're blocked out, so you can't see who actually got that money. Uh, other than, um, you know, a couple million to the Boston Clinic organization, Boston Health, I should say, another nonprofit. So it's, it's, like, it's like a big scam. It's like the money comes from us, goes to Clinton, he sends it to the pharma companies, and then, you know, and, and he travels around, and he's got his expenses, which also they have no formal procedure for expenses yet, according to the Form 990. Uh, and then he hands it out to other nonprofits and buddies and whatever. And buddies. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure it's doing, you know, it's doing great work. I'm sure. I'm sure it's all great forced uh, inoculations of people, children, and other lands. Um. By the way, zero money collected for admissions at the Clinton Library this year. <laughs> no one went. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. Zero. It literally says zero. Yeah, nobody goes. No, no one went to yeah, the I library. Yeah, the Clinton Library. Really? Yeah. What's the admission? Five bucks? Yeah, how much zero. did you do last year? Nothing. Zero. And there's like, I love, the, you know, on the Form 90, is like, did you give any money to lobbyists? Zero. This is a big zero. No money to lobbyists. Uh-huh. Right. Why would they? They are a lobbyist. They are the lobbyists. Of course they are. Uh, but just really interesting. I mean, you know, I'm sure everything uh, adds up, and I'm sure all the numbers are correct. But it just kind of blew me away when the biggest expenditure, almost equal to, um, you know, if you add the salaries, equal to what the American public is giving to the, the Clinton Foundation, is going to the pharmaceutical industry. You know, screw that. Don't we have, like, USAID and all these other uh, organizations? Why does Clinton have to be in the middle of it? We're just paying for his jet. And yeah, by the way, the, fly him around. the Clinton Global Initiative cost $6 million just, just to do that conference. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice work if you can get it. Yeah, for real. Now, we're in the wrong business, Johnny Boy, that's for sure. Yeah, no, we are in the wrong business, proves but it, we're stuck. Proves it once again. But, but luckily, uh, the, very few of the, the human resources themselves are actually handing out money. It's very little money from, uh, from other people. Very, very little. 
Mainly, well, mainly. no, all of them are. Well, because yeah, tax dollars go to the government. Yeah, they tax the crap out of us in this country, 70%, generally speaking, yeah. if you really start to look at all the taxes you pay mm-hmm. and fees that are really taxes. And it goes into the government, and then they give it to Clinton. Yeah, exactly. So we're getting screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, in Haiti, where uh, in a year from now, we'll be able to see what happened to uh, uh, to all the money that you texted into him. Um, what now began as a rumor... That farmers saw waste from a U.N. peacekeeping base flow into a river is now uh, uh, is now mounting circumstantial evidence and perhaps real hard proof that the cholera um, epidemic in Haiti was brought on by U.N. peacekeepers who had come in from Nepal. That's right. Yeah, we heard that. And, uh, but yeah, now, the U.N. brought cholera into the place, yeah. and now there's over a 1,000 dead, and it's spread to uh, Florida and Dominican Republic thanks to the U.N. Yep. Peacekeepers, peacekeepers, who also shot a guy the other day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also another report. Uh, cholera protests ebb in Haiti, but anger remains. They're angry. It's <laughs> a great reporting. Hey, you know, they're well, ang- Yeah, they, they, they protest, and because they, the guys are either dead or shot. Yeah, but they're angry, man. They're Why just, are we even in the UN? Well, uh, well, isn't our president the uh, the Uberführer of the of the um, Security Council? I don't know. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Anyway, good job, everybody. Hey, I can't wait to have another uh, another benefit show. Yeah, text your ten dollars to yeah. Uh, yeah. No. to Clinton directly yeah. to Clinton. Let's just uh, remind you how that went one more time. Now, right now. All we need from people, if you can't be part of a medical team or a search and rescue team, we just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. Yeah, just send your cash. Thanks, guys. Just send your cash. Um, on the Hollywood Whackers front, as I continue to keep my eye on the hills of Hollywood. Yeah, and you have some information about the dead publicist. Uh, no new information other than it appears that she had five, not five, but three shots to the to the head and chest. Um, now, this is very disconcerting for the Hollywood elite, as our friend Frank there, he says, oh, man, we now live in the hood. Uh, so what it's being sold as here is gang initiation, <laughs> which I laughed heartily. Yeah. Yeah, right. When, when you're getting initiated into a gang... What they say is you've got to go to Hollywood and you've got to go whack someone important. Yeah, that's how you get into a gang these days. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. You become a made man in the mafia, but I don't think this is that. But it's usually well, some. Who there's knows? usually a reason they kill someone. You know, you bring something up there. This could, if, if we're on that kind of level of uh, of Hollywood mob, then uh, why wouldn't it be uh, become someone had to be made? That's a, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's a possibility, but there has to still be some, you know, some rationale for this particular woman getting well. Uh, you know, she's murdered. in PR, you know, PR runs the world. We know that. Yeah, but like, there's they just don't they just say, well, there's one, there's some, they, you know, for one thing, you have to know who it is because she has a car and she's got a license plate. I mean, she, you know, you, it was a planned hit for a reason. I mean, was she uh, don't like have, Randy Quaid? Was she being have, ripped off? I don't have the reason. I do have more information though. Which is is uh, is real information, but it's sketchy. November seventh, five casting directors in the Los Angeles area received death threats at their office telephones. The recipients uh, reached out to authorities, 
who represent uh, actually to their uh, union authorities who represent casting directors were encouraged by the union to alert security personnel at the studios. Uh, Representative Ed Duffy, who confirmed uh, that the threats had occurred, sent a mass email to members of the Los Angeles casting community warning them of the phone calls, encouraging anyone else who's been threatened to come forward. Uh, and a sixth casting director contacted him on November 15th. Here's a quote. Uh, pretty low blow to do something like that to these casting directors. Oh, by the way, there's probably five million actors who would uh, be suspect in, uh, in these death threats. Um. But of course, uh, names or workplaces or what the actual threats were or what they or or why have not been revealed yet. But uh, I've got my ear to the ground. But I thought that was interesting. Just along the lines of there's some weird shit going on here in Hollywood. Have we heard from Randy Quaid recently? No, we have not. We have not heard from him. We have heard from Wesley Snipes, who was uh, going to the big house, although I don't think he's actually entered yet. And you'll remember that uh, he didn't file uh, his taxes, which is kind of scary. Because, you know, it's one thing to uh, say, I'm not going to pay. It's another thing if you didn't file uh, and maybe like, oh, hey, dude, I'll work it off. You know, I, I think he owed a lot of money. He didn't file, didn't pay. Uh, but he's going to jail for three years. Uh, the um, Atlanta judge said, uh, hey, look, you've appealed uh, time enough now. It's time for you to start serving. You got to go to jail. Yeah, well, this, you know, they do, the IRS does this every so often. They find a high, the highest profile guy they can. They did the James Brown, as, as you recall. Wow, I do remember that, yeah. And they do that. They find a guy high profile and make a big deal about sending him to jail. So everybody, all the slaves out there go, oh, my God, if they could send Wesley Snipes to jail, yeah. what's going to happen to me? Exactly. Well, let me send Wesley a little bit of karma for a second here. You've got karma. I, you know, he he did go off and the this, track a little bit, but he he does everyone and every state. Why do you send somebody to jail if they owe money? They can't pay it off in jail. They, they, this is like a pauper's prison. I thought they were outlawed, but the IRS seems to think this. They they have argued that well, no, it's better because it's a deterrent for other people. Uh, because they see this guy go to jail. We're not sending everybody to jail. We can't afford to do that, but we're going to send it, him it, to jail. It, I agree with you completely. It makes no sense. The guy could be out there making... He could be working for the Ministry of Truth. He could do movies that say government's great, the feds are the best. I mean, he could do. they could use it for so many things. So many good things, positive. Now we're going to have to... You know, it's going to cost us not... I mean, it's... You get a celebrity like that, it's not $40,000 a year. It's going to be $200,000 a year because of all kinds of special stuff when he gets transported and, you know, PR and all that. And it's, uh, it's going to cost a lot of money. It makes no sense. He can be a very productive member of society. Well, they think it's worth it. Speaking of such, uh, I got a recommendation here from uh, producer Jamie. And... Uh, I think Jamie may be, I don't know if Jamie's a guy or a girl, but says, uh, in the morning, uh, here's the first uh, a line from the first chapter of a book, which I feel, uh, which is an old book from 1928, which I feel should be on the No Agenda book list. So uh, No Agenda book club uh, uh, site producers uh, take notes. Here's the opening line. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. What book was that from, John? Uh, Power Elite. I don't know. Propaganda, written by Edward L. Bernays. 
Oh, another propaganda book. Yeah, 1928. The book is Propaganda, and I shall... Well, Bernays, that guy, is uh, famous for being uh, one of the fathers, if not the father, of modern public relations. Exactly. So what he's saying there is if you can control the minds of the slaves through PR, Hill and Knowlton, we're on to you, then uh, you are the true government. So I think this book uh, warrants reading. I've actually run into PR people that... That, who act like they're the government? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they actually, well, you know, they, people do what we're, we tell them to. And, I mean, it's just like, okay. That's great. I mean, we're just basically uh, flies in the ointment, the two of us on our show. And I'm glad it wakes a lot of people up out there who are generous enough to help us continue doing this show. But the fact of the matter is, uh, all you have to do is turn on the radio and you hear the four out of five, according to a CBS survey, don't think that the scanner's a big deal. Right. Well, you know, I see things happening and I think we are, um, we have forward motion, we have positive influence, uh, even people who strongly disagree with uh, language often used on this program, in particular by me, um, are listening, uh, enjoy it, uh, feel better for it. And I think in combination with our talking points, uh, we're actually going to, we will make some difference. Hey, if, it's, if it has to go one human resource at a time, then that's what it'll take. Then we'll do it. As long as people keep supporting us, well, we'll, I think, we'll do it. I think, you've, I think generally speaking, even though somebody sent us a note in the other day about how depressed they were after they listened to the show all the time, right? Uh, is the fact of the matter is the truth will set you free, or even an angle on the truth, or at least some some free thinking is a is a good thing because it will improve your general, I think, your attitude overall because you'll see through a lot of things and you won't be distracted and attracted to, like, crap. And you'll also be able to, you know, because you look when you think for yourself on all levels, you your job and you know and creative creativity and job performance always increases. It's always a good thing for a personal. Uh, it's just a personal thing. I mean, you, you're better off. Is the point? I think you said it right at the top there. The truth shall set thee free. So talking about the truth, I got a couple of clips here that are kind of interesting. Okay, you familiar with the E four B? E four B. Um, no. Boeing made four of them. Oh, it's an aircraft. No, I, I, no, I don't. It's, well, play the clip. E4B Doomsday Plane. Moffett Air Force Base, Nebraska. A highly trained crew races to battle stations aboard this militarized 747. It looks like Air Force One, but it's not. It's called the E-4B. It's protected against nuclear blasts and can stay in the air for days. Armed security forces guard the plane 24-7. These pilots are some of the most experienced in the Air Force. Their only job right now is to get the E-4B off the ground as quickly as possible. This drill is called an alert response. They practice it at least once a week because every second counts. This is America's doomsday plane. It's the flying fortress from which the president could run the country and direct U.S. forces in a national emergency. 
Scrambling the E-4B is one critical part of the plans that kick into gear if America faces a doomsday scenario. We've got the map ahead of time, so we know that they're going to roll out three miles ahead of us. These plans are shrouded in secrecy. Doomsday plans are among the most closely held secrets of the U.S. government. <laughs> In the 1950s... <laughs> John, are you watching military porn again? Now, isn't this interesting? What channel <laughs> do you think that was on? I, I would uh, wager the military channel. National Geographic. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we got a scramble. We got a scramble. Doomsday machine. And I like the guy's voice. The Doomsday Machine. The doomsday. Play the Doomsday Playbook, and then we can the go doomsday, and uh, the Doomsday Machine. What, what? The yeah. Doomsday Playbook. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't notice you had another. Oh, yeah, more military porn. Oh, I love it. What the government should do in case of a Soviet nuclear attack. <laughs> Every U.S. president since Dwight Eisenhower has contributed to them. The plans have evolved over the years to account for new threats, but the goal remains the same survival of the federal government. Yeah. Doomsday plans ensure that we would be able to ride out any sort of crisis, not just a nuclear attack, but terrorist incidents. Otherwise, you've got just complete chaos after whatever event this is. It's the government's ultimate playbook. We've got the football straight on the doomsday machine. All right, we're ready to go. Enable evil ones. So, yeah, chaos won't happen with the president flying around this thing. <laughs> it's a 747 with anti-radiation paint, essentially. Well, they got other things. It's got a bunch of weird vents and things sticking out of it. And oh. apparently a bunch of uh, cool old, com- you know, old, really old-fashioned computers that can't be, you know, <laughs> with punch taken cards. out by EMPs. <laughs> with punch cards. Pretty much. <laughs> cool. Uh. Speaking of EMPs, I, I just want to revisit... Um, there's been a couple of uh, interesting postings about the uh, the missile that was sent off that uh, immediately, of course, was deemed a uh, a, a, a to- it was like, oh, that's not a missile, that's a contrail. <laughs> and uh, there was actually there was a, a contrail that uh, flew across the New York skyline uh, a day later, which was uh, immediately deemed uh, a contrail. Um, but now there are other uh, experts who are coming out and saying they actually this is this is contrary to what I thought. They're saying it was actually a Chinese missile, which I think is an interesting spin. Yeah, this is Glenn Beck is the one who's promoting this idea too. Oh, but the fact of the matter that. is, when we had the the, the, the memos from the Navy saying there's going to be some you know stay out of the area ships. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because what, were they doing it for the Chinese benefit? Well, one of our producers. Uh, uh, followed the link on the show notes from uh, two shows ago to go to the uh, the equivalent, you know, the uh, the, the military site, the dot mil site, which um, uh, posts the the notice to uh, to the ships at sea, which is very much uh, I'm not quite sure what it's called, but we call them NOTAMs, notice to airmen uh, for aviation, and uh, the link has been removed. The link to that to the report for that to actually the entire week has been removed from the military site. This is not typical that that you remove a um, uh, a notice to uh, n- navigators. I've never seen it happen in aviation. You can go back years and find uh, the exact weather conditions, the exact conditions of airfields. You know what was working, wasn't what was. It's like critical evidence. 
you know, particularly in uh, in mishaps, that's immediately it's like, hey, was there a report? Did we know about this? Well, you know? how about this? So they so they remove all this to try to get rid of all the evidence, and then let people like Glenn Beck go on and on about the Chinese. So this become a false fl- flag of yeah, uh, totally. exercise. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I'm totally down with that. Now you let's know, face the ch- what are the Chinese? Yeah, let's go over here and launch a missile, please. Oh, nobody knows what it is. They'd have the whole. They would go red alert. Well, one thing we know, it was not a contrail, and and we're being lied to because it just wasn't. In fact, the footage um, pictures have been cropped and changed. That the government is. I have a whole bunch of links about. Oh, so this they can get again. the little flame off the back of yeah, it off. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's that little flame coming. <laughs> How out of irritating! The back How irritating! Let's take that off. That's not right. Let's Photoshop that. Let's remove out. that. Well, the whole thing is sketchy. And then there was something really weird that happened down under uh, just the other day. I mean, like really, really freaking weird, uh, which may not be related, but certainly worth mentioning. Something was in the air along the southeast Queensland coast early today. It showed up on the radar and turned the sky orange, but exactly what it was has everyone baffled. First Light and Byron Bay locals were the first to see their own UFO, an unidentified floating object. The sky was just completely orange, almost like misty. Just noticed uh, like a smoky haze on the horizon. It was different from the normal salt haze that we get. Shown here on the Weather Bureau radar as a blue and purple smudge, it was first detected off the Sunshine Coast. We saw what looked to be a couple of showers forming off the the Fraser Island coast at about 9pm last night, and then in a very unweather-like pattern they started to spread out into a long stream. By dawn it was off Cape Byron, so we decided to give chase in our chopper. We've been flying in the area for some time, but we're no closer to solving the mystery. We simply can't find whatever it is out there. Early speculation suggested it could have been metallic particles known as chaff blasted into the air by RAAF jets to confuse radars. Confused Byron locals say military planes have been active in the area. Don't know whether they're Hornets or F-111s, but going straight past the lighthouse, so very quick and at eye level. The Defence Force confirmed Super Hornets were operating north of Brisbane last night, but say chaff wasn't used. You wouldn't get a body of chaff remain together uh, and move for a very long period. It would be dispersed by the wind. Still, it's given those living across the border something to talk about. I woke up this morning and my room was just like bright orange. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Oh. New Dorley. Yeah, no. it's beautiful. Um, so, of course, there's no other questioning about this. I mean, when the sky turns orange and it's visible on the radar as a cloud of orange, I think there would be some cause for concern. I, I always wonder about, the, you know, what, maybe the, uh, I don't know, unless I the government, was the government says. Sorry? What was that? Oh, you want to hear it again? Chemtrails. It stayed as a ball. It's not much of a trail and didn't fall into the ground. So, yes, um, after our show on Thursday, and, and I know we have a difference of opinion, um, but there were trails all over the house. and they All flo- over the house? Yes, and they floated down. Inside? On, they floated, yes, they floated down onto the house. I stood there and literally watched these contrails float down onto the house here, John. Did it relax you? (laughs) I have have a sore throat. 
No, I, 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 you know I wouldn't lie about this. So the, the, what looks like well, a contrail. Maybe sure they weren't just dumping fuel and you just happened to get it, and that would give you a sore throat in a minute. Well, they, so they did it. I, I took a picture. Did, you, did it smell like JP, uh, whatever they're using now, JP5, 6, whatever? No, it, you don't really smell anything. But I you took, can smell, I, It didn't smell like kerosene. Listen, no, I took a picture. No, I know what kerosene smells like. I took a picture. There's, there's two trails going uh, parallel to each other, and then one weaves in and out between the other two, like, like the plane was like doing a slalom. Mm-hmm. And then those three trails just floated down from the 26,000 feet where contrails are created, as you know, as as contrail belie- uh, anti chem trailers will have you believe, and they floated all the way down to the ground. So I, I you know, I don't know what it is. You, were you on LSD at the no, time? No, no, come on. No, it's, I'm serious here for a second. This is it, it's, I'm you not, do have photos you're going to put on the on yeah, the yeah. No, uh, I put them up. I, no, I, I'll put them in the show notes. But I already uh, tweeted it. I blogged it. It's on my Flickr site. And another person who lives in the hills. Send me a link right now. Okay, hold on a second. One, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I will send you a link. And you tell me what you think it is. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> Eric had a funny line about making, you know, instead of brining turkey, make turkey sous vide. What's sous vide? That's that slow cooking thing I bitched and moaned about in a whole show. Oh, so we, right. It's right. like, you know, the tepid water. <laughs> <It'd be a night laughs> bacterial nightmare. That sounds not so good. Okay, hold on. So let me go to uh, my Flickr site. Okay, and I want, this is good. I actually do want you to take a look at this, and you tell me what you think this is. Um, wait, that's not the one I wanted. Oh, I think I think I only tweeted about it. Maybe I didn't put it on my. Uh, yeah, I probably only tweeted about it. Can you just well, so go? You don't to, have the photos. Yeah, I do. Just go to Twitter. I actually failed myself here. Go to Twitter. Go to Twitter slash Adam Curry. Yeah, no, let's do it. I mean, okay, okay, I'm okay, very serious okay, okay. about this. Okay. Twitter. Okay. Dot com slash Adam Curry. Right. And go down a little bit. And Adam Curry, live now, no agenda. Bing, bing, bing. And we go down. Oh, here. Picture of the day? No. Curry Cloud. You want to go to the 18th of November. I guess we hit some sore spots on no agenda today in the morning. And then you click on that, and it's a twit pick. And you tell me what this is. 18th of November. I hit oh, that one. Yeah. Now take a look at that picture. And you tell me. And, and you can see the, the, the hill across the way, so you can see how low these actually are. And you yeah. can see that it's kind that of... That looks like a missile. <laughs> well, no, but you see, they disperse these uh, contrails. They disperse. And, and look at it. It's in a curve. Yeah, it's weird. It what is right. that? And you see all, and look and look at the sky above it. It's like all like trails of gunk and stuff, man. And that floated down onto the house. Now we're at eight hundred and twenty-three feet here, so I'm estimating what the picture you're seeing here is about three thousand feet above sea yeah. level. You, okay, I thought you had pictures of it floating down to the house that was visible. It's um, it, this is this is almost floating. This, the one that is dispersed here. That's probably only a thousand feet above me. I mean, I can take pictures as it comes all the way down. I don't know. I have no idea what that is. It looks weird. Doesn't look right. And maybe, yeah, maybe they're they're spraying you with uh, insecticide. For all I know. Well, I'm not too happy about it. I wouldn't be if that stuff was falling on my house. No, 
but it actually floats down and falls on the house, so it can't be a contrail. No, it has to be some sort of gunk. Not liking it. Anyway. Well, yeah, but what would it be specifically? Chemtrails. Oh, I'm saying specifically, you make chemtrails is a, is a generality. What, what do you think it is? Well, Salt? No, barium. Aluminium. Barium? Yes. Th- this what is that going to do to you? Make you crap? I don't know. Is barium good for you? Is, al- is aluminum sure good for you? Nothing is good for you. Is aluminum good for you? Because that's what people have measured in this stuff is barium and aluminum. I don't know what aluminum does to you. I mean, I, it, there's well, a, it's, this, it, it's it, controversial. It, a lot of people think aluminum has all kinds of negative effects on the body, but yet they still keep selling aluminum cookware. Saying I, it's I'll cook tell you it. something. I don't use uh, deodorant anymore. I mean, I use uh, uh, a healthy form of it because uh, otherwise I smell, but I don't use spray-on deodorant because it actually sprays uh, aluminum into your, right into your armpit, very sensitive area, and it goes into your body. I don't use it anymore. I don't use f- toothpaste with fluoride, and I feel pretty good. But when there's, there's, they're dropping stuff on my house, I'm not too well, happy they got it. You're on the... It's like a I'm memo on, comes out. Yes. This guy stopped using perspirant and, perspirant and I noticed he stopped buying fluoride toothpaste. All right, well, just bomb him with the stuff. Well, you can make light of it, but uh, I'm getting I'm getting reports from everywhere around Gitmo Nation, and people are are aware of this. And I've been watching the sky since I was a little boy, and I know the difference okay, between so, the contrail. What is it doing to you? Did you you you, it's, you I, yourself we, say that it's to calm me down? Both, I don't see any evidence of that. We both have very sore throats. Well, that's not good. No, it's not good. Mickey has a, has nodules in her throat, and, and I and you know, and I don't want to like freak her out. But I think it it is from possibly from stuff that is being dropped. And by the way, you know we have the entire Hollywood water reservoir next to our house, which I'm sure it's not like they're they're like, let's get that bastard. I'm sure it's not me, but the water no. reservoir. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. It's yeah, literally but, next to our house. Yeah, but why would you have to go through all that rigmarole and you can just send somebody down and with a with a tanker truck and dump the stuff directly in? I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer, but I do know I get up at 5.30 in the morning, twice a week, and there's always a beautiful a beautiful blue sky, except for this morning, of course, beautiful blue sky, and I'll see nothing but streaks across the sky, and they're just floating down to earth. That's all That's all I know. Sure, it's not like, well, okay. Yeah. All right, I so don't know. Warren's I have no idea. I agree with you. It's a weird-looking photo. doesn't make any sense unless somebody launched a missile from the middle of the Hollywood Hills, which seems highly unlikely. <laughs> no, because it, it didn't travel in that tra- type of tra- trajectory. But that's well, okay. the, that, but the that's thicker okay. part of the thing is at the bottom, which indicates it would have been something that was launched. No, that, no, that's just as it dissipates because it floats down and then it starts yeah, but to that, spread the, out. But the part that's dissipating is the part where it began. No, no, no. That's that's just a piece in the middle. Oh, well, it looks like where it began. Well, it's very hard to capture. This is it's like capturing right, the well, Grand. We'll put the picture Can on the website. This? Can I just say something? It's it's like capturing the Grand Canyon. You can't really understand it from the picture unless you're looking right at it. I yeah, try I to take panorama pictures. It's very hard to de- really depict it. And like you can't show distance. You yeah. can't show altitude. Yeah, I, I had one over the house that was similar to that. Some months back, they took a couple pictures of it. It was impossible because the thing was like a mile wide, and it was just looked like you know it didn't look like you couldn't, but you could see it was some sort of a. But it wasn't a contrail, is all I want to hear. No, it was like yeah. something from a rocket. Right, smoke. Okay. Hey, good news! It's about uh, time. Bird flu is back. First time in seven years. Human case. <laughs> hey, everybody. Where? In Hong Kong. No. Oh. 
Great. Yeah, first case of human bird They're flu. They're trying to kill us with this bird flu. They just can't seem to get it into the wild yet. Well, you know, now that we have it in people again, uh, that's the good news. So, uh, you know, I, I think we need to up the TSA and we need to have the bird flu scanner for avian influenza. Cho came out again, your favorite, your favorite girlfriend, Cho from the World Health Organization. Oh, that idiot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me bring up her, uh, her quote here. I think uh, she was in Time, the uh, true Ministry of Truth. Uh, Hong Kong confirmed. Ba, 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 ba. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Health Secretary doesn't even say of the World Health Organization. How good is Time? Uh, health Secretary York Chow. Is that, uh, is she the woman? No, it's Margaret something. Huh. Maybe they're yeah, related. Up. Maybe they're this related. is, I think, one of our locals. It says, Hong Kong has confirmed its first case of human bird flu in seven years. Health, so I, I presume that would be the Hong Kong Health Secretary, York Chow. That could be. Probably brother of Margaret. Said late Wednesday, a 59-year-old woman had tested positive for H5N1 bird flu. So now we've got, we all know what H1N1. I tell you, H5 sounds a lot worse. With the announcement, the government raised the bird flu alert to serious, meaning there's a risk of contracting the disease within the territory. Chow said Hong Kong officials were meeting Thursday would determine whether additional measures were needed to safeguard local residents. The bird flu first struck Hong Kong in 1997. You'll recall I was in Europe at the time of the, uh, the avian bird flu, and uh, wow, man, they, they were killing uh, birds. Yeah. Everywhere. In fact, I, I lived on a, a grounds that had tons of birds, and uh, it came within two kilometers, the, the zone that had to be called. And we were very worried that they would, you know, come on, guys in hazmat suits would come onto our territory and start killing our swans and, and stuff like that. And it was like, it was, uh, it was very, very frightening. So I do think, though, there's a possibility the media will jump on this because people are going to get very tired of the TSA talk. That's going to end. Uh, and this is how media works. And, our, and whenever someone says, what do you do? I said, I'm a media assassin. Nice to meet you. And uh, usually people, by the way, say, oh, that's cool. We need more of you. Whatever you do, that sounds good. Um, I believe that uh, they will probably latch on to something like this. We need another scare. We need another distraction. And uh, there's a good chance that the avian bird flu, uh, the H5N1, will crop up this week in the media. So be on the alert for that. Yeah, we'll follow that. That that is a bad one. Oh, it's definitely not fun. No, a eighty percent kill rate. Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like? You've got some Stossel stuff. We want to do anything with that? Yeah, or? the Stossel stuff's kind of off the wall. We can do that next show. It's not that interesting. I think we're wrapping up here, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. Um, is there I, anything else that was happening this week that was of? Uh, I mean, we didn't talk about the Carnival ship. Well, there's no news about it. No one's well, following it. They took it. it and they put it in dry dock. It's going to stay there for because because of a fire for what months and months. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, we it, it has it needs a lot of repairs. That fire was so incredibly bad. I will say, by the way, some uh, people did come out with their cell phones. That, so the EMP did. You know, if you're inside of a ship and it's an outboard EMP, it might not penetrate the hull. Whatever the case was, there's a lot of people that still had their cell phones. Those things finally showed up on the uh, net. 
uh, photos of people yakking at themselves and showing the smoke. It was just basically black smoke coming off the stack and a little blue smoke coming out of a window. It was really minor. It doesn't seem like you'd have to keep the ship in the dock there. And where, San Diego by any chance? Is it? Yeah, this? San Diego, of course, uh-huh, where uh-huh. The, you know the military action is taking place. Uh-huh. So there's something still fishy about the story, and it's been completely... Talk about something disappearing off the front page news. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally gone from the conversation, as is the uh, the rocket. Yeah. No, well, the rocket's not completely gone because Beck went on off the deep end this week about it, and he brought it back into the conversation, but even though it's just crazy. You know he's a cruising for one, you know. Well, he's on his way. It, well, no. not when he's saying it's the Chinese thing. I mean, he may be actually... Give it, delivering the message they want. Could be. You know, the harem, scare them, the Chinese, all these Chinese, you're going to kill us um, kind of thing. There's a lot of anti-Chinese stuff going on because of the trade war that, you know, subtle trade war that's beginning. Oh, is this and, the actor thing? Well, there's that. There's a bunch of stuff going on, mostly about the about the uh, monetary, the fact that they're, they're, no matter what we yeah, do, that, that gonna, we've that we've stolen their money by, uh, by devaluing our currency. Right? Yeah, but... Yeah, that's one of the things that they're they're trying to make that claim. I'm I'm I don't know. This is, uh, it's a long story. Okay, we'll prepare for that. Two other things I'd like to mention: the GSMA on the tech front, that's the GSM Association, uh, has now launched uh, an initiative to remove uh, the entire concept of SIM cards for future phones. What? Oh yeah, no more SIM cards. They want. Well, that's a disaster. Well, yeah. <laughs> and of course, there's two reasons for it. One is, of course, we don't want you. you know, we want to tie you into our uh, the, the, into our phones and service. That's essentially mel- melding the two together. And the other one is, you know, you you can't just uh, buy a prepaid SIM card anymore. No more SIM card for you. So you had to buy a whole phone. Yeah. Yep. So when I go to Germany yep. with my GSM phone and I want to get a local uh, GSM card so I don't have to pay roaming charges and uh, that are just, yeah, I think you've experienced it and other people have that just happen to get keep their old SIM card running and they come back home and it's a $10,000 phone bill. Yep. Uh, I want to go to the post office and grab a German SIM card from Deutsche whoever and put it in there and it cost me like 40 bucks and I can make local calls. Uh, I can't do that anymore because... No service for you! Hmm. Interesting. And then uh, I'm so happy to read this this article, which is in the Register. Outstanding publication, by the way. I think the Register is generally pretty good. Uh, They have uh, an article here about what companies in the cloud, in the cloud, which I have now pretty much successfully migrated off of, except for, uh, obviously, file hosting. Uh, But certainly my email is now off the cloud. What companies charge for government surveillance? Uh, Google charges $25 per user. And, of course, everyone's just focused on the money. Uh, and Microsoft is even more interesting. They charge nothing. They're, like, they're just like, yeah, here it is. No, what do you want? And that's for wiretaps, pen registers. Um, and this is, it's a big money maker for these guys. If you want, the, the money in the cloud is by selling the information to the feds. 25 bucks Google gets. Yahoo charges $29. And uh, <laughs> and there are millions of these. Millions. No wonder the cloud's so popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, and what's wrong with Microsoft? Do they got their heads up their butts? They I, don't know how to make it easy money? I, I, I don't know. I don't understand why they're not charging. It's crazy. They should get on that train, man. You, you guys nuts or something? 
But it just goes to show that these companies are more than willing to hand over your email for anything. They get a subpoena. They've got a whole process. There's been plenty of articles about it. And they, they oh, there's another 25 If you're Yahoo, oh, Yahoo Mail, everybody, there's another 29 bucks. Oh, yeah. No, what, what, Mr. Fed, you want, uh, you want the email? Oh, here it is. Here, take the email. No problem. So I'm resurrecting uh, my use of PGP. Feel free to send me encrypted uh, emails. Even if it's just to say hi. It, it's, it's not a problem anymore. It's really easy. That's good. Yeah, well, I'm doing my best. All right, well, I'll send you a PGP encrypted message one of these days. <laughs> just a thought, John. I so, mean, most of our messages back and forth are, hey, did you see this? <laughs> yeah. hey, oh, no. This. Look at this link. That secret C-SPAN program I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Says that all comes out on the show. Well, uh, all my chemtrail pictures I'm going to encrypt when I send them to you, though. I don't want that getting out anywhere. And by the way, your ISP is not immune from this. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, I'm just saying. So anyone who sends me something encrypted, it's as safe as can be. And next step, I'm going to encrypt my hard drive, which I'm very worried about. But okay, we'll just have to go for it. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard. No, no, but if it messes up, it's bad. Well, back everything up and run it. Yeah. DriveCrypt is the program yeah. everyone uses. Okay. Although they took a couple of the uh, methods off, which kind of annoys, it's kind of annoying. All right. All right, everybody. We will be back Thursday, Thanksgiving morning. Uh, and as usual, coming to you from the uh, chemtrailed hilltop, Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, I'm Adam Curry. And from uh, the Buzzkill Bunker here in northern Silicon Valley, where there was thunder and lightning, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back here on Thursday on No Agenda.